You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeMoy. I'm the host of this show. Today on the program, I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here, and we've got a lot of fun things to talk about today. We've got a preview Auburn men's basketball. They are in Baton Rouge for a trip uh, against the LSU Tigers. We'll preview that game a little bit later. We've got Joe Bartle of RotoWire at 515 to again talk about these NFL playoffs. We've got a little discussion today on the 247 rankings don't know if people saw this 247 ranked the top 25 college football programs of the last two decades and auburn ranked very highly in it we will discuss that and their rankings and we'll come up with a little bit of our own thoughts on on the top 25 programs of the last 20 years and we've got a lot to do today we've also got to give away or some women's basketball tickets they've got old miss on sunday so a little bit later in the program we're going to attempt to give those away, and uh, we'll let you know when we do that. Of course, the birthdays and sports, as always, will reveal our player of the week. There is a lot to do today on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. And of course, all of your phone calls at 887-3401 or toll-free one tiger 9 Again, Ryan, Tom, and Cam will be in here in just a moment. Tom, starting with you. Hey. Hope you're doing well, sir. Uh, doing well. Trying to stay dry. It's, uh, it's a little bit of a rainy day out there. I know you're our resident weather guy, but uh, uh, as I was leaving the apartment, getting ready to come over here, I was having to get some stuff into my truck to throw away. And I mean, it just it was a deluge all of a sudden. So it went from you know, like drizzle, you know, kind of some sprinkles to just the bottom opened up. So had to get the rain jacket out to take the trash out. But, uh, other than that, yeah, doing great. Um, glad to be back on the show for uh, another one and uh, talk a little bit of Auburn basketball, see if they can't keep their winning ways going. And uh, uh, some other teams kept their winning ways going last night that we discussed on yesterday's show, namely Alabama and, uh, well, and I guess Kentucky too. So uh, some SEC teams were in action yesterday, more in, in action today, including Auburn. So a uh, lot to talk about with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we – uh, obviously, this time of year, spent a lot of time breaking down the SEC and men's college basketball. We certainly were doing a lot of that uh, yesterday, and we had four SEC games yesterday to talk about. Uh, and, of course, tonight we'll have uh, three more, uh, including the Auburn game. But yesterday's slate, it kind of went status quo. There's always opportunities for upsets when you talk about highly ranked teams visiting the road. Uh, or, vi- or going on the road, excuse me. But uh, number nine, Tennessee, 
not major difficulties with unranked Mississippi State. They were able to win 70-59. to Number four, Alabama led by as much as 20 or so in the second half. It got a little close at the end, maybe a little deceiving, but Alabama won 78-66. Uh, Ole Miss went to South Carolina and confirmed what we all thought we knew, that South Carolina is dreadful this year. South Carolina's next opponent will be Auburn. Of course, Auburn got to take on LSU first, but South Carolina losing to Ole Miss at home in Columbia. Ole Miss defeating them 70-58. to And then that Georgia-Kentucky game, I talked about, or we talked a little bit about the betting line being like 11.5 yesterday. And Georgia, led by 8 at the half, still led for a decent part of the second half, but Kentucky outscores Georgia 51-29 in the second half to win by 14, so yeah. they covered. I think it was still single digits with a couple minutes left, so Kentucky covers in the last minute or two and uh, now they are starting to try and turn the corner on their season. Uh, did anything stand out about those four games to you, Tom? Uh, no, I think they all went about how we thought they were. And uh, I, I said on yesterday's show, watch out for Kentucky. Yes, they've they've had their struggles, and, and the South Carolina loss was just completely inexplicable. But you can't you can't bet against them right now just because it's still John Calipari coaching that team. They still have some of the best talented players out there because their recruiting classes have been insanely good. It's not like they've all of a sudden been relegated to getting the two stars and, and you know, the, the players that nobody else wants. It's still Kentucky. They're still getting top-notch players. They still have one of the more renowned coaches in the country. You can't bet against them. And uh, and I think Kentucky is starting to turn that corner, and I think they're going to, by the time you get towards the end of the season, they're going to be a, a dangerous team, as they always are. Um, nothing else really surprised me. Alabama took care of business. Uh, I, th- I thought maybe Vanderbilt had a chance to keep that one at least a little bit closer down towards the end of that game just because being at home, uh, we discussed about how a lot of the fans felt like Alabama struggles at Memorial Gymnasium and just the fact that it's that place and it's that weird uh, benches behind the basket and the weird um, kind of theater. the theater-like yeah. squared-off theater-like um, stacked seating and uh, the, the court is like elevated like on a stage. It's just a bizarre setup. And a lot of people struggle mightily in that place. Even against really bad Vanderbilt teams, people just struggle. Not Alabama. And uh, and and then, of course, uh, their top guy gets another 30. Yeah, but I was about to say, Brandon Miller, 37 minutes last night, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 10 of 16 from the floor. Third 30-point game? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on that. I know that it's not the first. Um, no, I thought I saw that. I, I could be wrong. I thought I saw that somebody said or somebody had said that it was like his third 30-point game of the season. So that dude is would just not surprise tearing me. it up. Uh, Miller this year, uh, and, of course, he's been the talk of the town. He's averaging 20 points a game. Uh, that is 20th in the country. Uh, and for reference there, again, there's 300-something teams. I think there's like 360 college basketball teams. Right. And oftentimes, the leading scores in the country usually come from those smaller conferences that maybe have just one guy jack up about 25 or 30 shots a game. Like, for instance, I believe the leading scorer in college basketball this year, at least at one time, was Antoine Davis. That's the son of former Indiana and UAB coach Mike Davis, who coaches Detroit Mercy and he was averaging like 25 points a game. It is uncommon to have major conference players factor into the top 10 or 15 
in scoring in college basketball, yet Miller is knocking on that door now, averaging 20 a night. Uh, he averages 8.5 rebounds, of course, 6'9", uh, 200 is what he is listed. And he's going to be um, going to be a top-five pick in the draft. He might be third. Uh, I don't know if he can get to second. Victor Wembanyama is going to go first by all accounts. Uh, Scoot Henderson would probably be second. But uh, he's going to be really highly up there. But this Alabama team, not going to spend too much time on this, but Alabama has uh, won in a multitude of ways this year. We were going through the net rankings yesterday, which were pretty crazy to see St. Mary's in the top ten, some weird things there. But reminder that Alabama beat Houston, who that's Houston's only loss, and Houston is still number one in the country. Alabama beat Houston on the road um, for their only loss of the year. Brandon Miller did not have a field goal in that game. He was 0 of 8. And so this Bama team, although Brandon Miller certainly spearheads it, uh, they can win without him playing great too. That makes this team incredibly dangerous. Cam Barry also on the show today. Cam, welcome. Hope you're doing well, sir. Doing real well. I have a voice. There you go. Um, yeah, doing great. Um, ready to watch some Auburn basketball tonight. Um, and yeah, a great win against Mississippi State. I guess this is my first uh, first game, uh, first first show back since then. So a good win uh, against Mississippi State. Um, and yeah, uh, ready to watch some basketball and uh, get back towards the weekend and watch some more football. Yeah, again, three SEC games tonight, including Auburn's. We'll talk about the other two later on the show as we start to wind it down auburn favored by four and a half as they go to baton rouge lsu at 12 and 5 overall on the season yet lsu just one and four in the sec lsu's one win was their first game against arkansas uh, they won that game 60 to 57 since then they've got uh, varying degrees of losses they lost at rupp arena 74 71 can't blame them from that even if kentucky is very weird this year they lost in college station to texas a&m who's off to a hot, uh, hot start excuse me in the league losing 69 56 there they then lost at home to florida 67 56 that one is kind of hard to figure and then they lost at Alabama, and it's not that they lost at Alabama. Many people will do that. But they lost to Alabama 106-66 to in Tuscaloosa this past weekend. So LSU, despite a 1-0 start in the conference, despite what was, I guess, a 12-1 start overall, uh, their last two weeks have been very poor. And so that's kind of turned the tables here on who's favored to win. Auburn favored by 4.5. Yeah, um, LSU is – a team made up of a lot of transfers, right? So they probably have a few, a few issues kind of gelling and getting everything together. They did have the win at home against Arkansas, so um, that that is you know kind of a signature win um, to begin SEC play. So that means, I mean, they will defend their home court. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, as is every every SEC team, I think going to be able to do this season, um, and it's really showing that that. That home court, defending your home court, winning at home is something that's going to be very, very valuable uh, this season uh, moving forward. So with with LSU, you just got to be able to go in there, be disciplined. You can't take a bunch of bad shots uh, if you're Auburn, and you got to just stay disciplined on defense, and uh, I think you'll be fine here. So for LSU, looking at them a little bit as a team, their best player is K.J. Williams. 
And uh, actually, I have seen him play in person. The LSU was the game before Auburn and Memphis at Holiday Hoops giving in Atlanta a few weeks back. And that game, I just so happened to see one of the best games you can have uh, for K.J. Williams as he played uh, a pivotal role in LSU's 72-70 to victory over Wake Forest. He had 35 points and 10 rebounds in that game. So he leads the team in scoring with 18 a night. Uh, has 7.2 rebounds to boot. Uh, so he is their best player. He is a big guy, 6'10", 250 senior. They do have one other double-digit score and Adam Miller, who averages just under 13 a game. Uh, both those guys do shoot the three fairly well. Miller's at 33.3, so that's kind of average for college basketball, maybe a little below average. But then Williams, he doesn't take a lot of them, but he is 45% from three. And as a home, we're, or as a whole, excuse me, we're always looking at this type of thing given that Auburn has not done this well this year. But LSU as a team does shoot the three pretty well. They shoot it at 34.9%. Reminder, Auburn just got above 30 even when they were able to hit uh, 11 to 25 against Mississippi State on Saturday. They got them to 30.1. As a team, many of the teams that Auburn has already played in the SEC have been 30% or lower uh, three-point teams, but not LSU. And so that is going to be interesting because we're on the heels of a game in which Mississippi State goes 0 of 18 from three. If they hit anything from three, they very easily could have won that game. Well, this LSU team does have a habit uh, for shooting the ball pretty well from behind the arc. Yeah, um, they do. They they. they shoot well so auburn's definitely gonna have to defend i don't we're, we're not sure if that zone's gonna work now um that that bruce has kind of been running uh for the defense uh it, we'll we'll just have to see um because uh, if they can shoot the three really well they'll be able to shoot out of it really well and that'll put auburn in a really tough predicament um thankfully you're right mississippi state you know wasn't able to hit anything and you know if they hit two or three threes then you know, we might be talking about Auburn losing that game. So yeah. it's something that um, is is going to be interesting to see. Um, hopefully, either maybe Bruce comes out with a different strategy because he does know that this team does shoot pretty well. So maybe they'll ha- he'll have them kind of maybe in a more extended zone um, instead of um, you know kind of backed in towards closer to the paint. Um, so we'll we'll definitely have to see how um, how that plays out for the offensive side of things. I just I. I think we should continue to kind of run things through Jalen Williams, kind of keep feeding him. He seems to have the hot hand. Um, and then that I think that just creates for everybody else, honestly. If you can treat Jalen like a legitimate scoring threat, um, then you have no choice but to kind of back off. And uh, that leaves opportunity for Flanagan, for for um, Wendell, for Janai to do their own things and um, create solid team basketball. Yeah, so my, my biggest thing for Auburn is protect the ball. No careless turnovers. If you're going to have turnovers, they need to be the effort turnovers. They need to be you're driving to the hoop and there's contact made, and if you get called for a charge instead of a block, yeah, you don't want too many of those because you can't just go in recklessly. But a lot of times those are effort turnovers because that's a referee making a split-second decision between a block and a charge. So if it's an effort turnover, that's one thing. When you just sling the ball into the bench area and there's nobody there, that's careless. When you can't inbound the ball, that's careless. Uh, step out of bounds when on you, accident. When you step, yeah, when you do the foolish things like that, the, the foolish turnovers have got to be limited. Auburn had 20 turnovers against Mississippi State. 
the vast majority of those were just careless and just not being able to protect the ball, not being able to inbound the ball, uh, just different things like that. You've got to cut that out. You, you can't, especially if you pride yourself on forcing turnovers. You've got to be more on the plus of that. You force more than you're giving up. You have yeah. to do that. Um, and they and Janai Broom is going to have to have a better game than he did against Mississippi State. He, you cannot lose the battle in the paint against Mississippi State because uh, I'm sorry against LSU. You cannot lose the battle in the paint against LSU like you did against Mississippi State because then you rely on the three. And we know this team is not a good three-point shooting team. Uh, and you can't rely on Jalen. And, and until Jalen Williams shows me that he can actually be that shooter that Auburn has desperately been missing, then I'm not going to buy it. He had a good game. He was five of seven. Cool. He has not – we have not seen that out of him throughout the season. He's been a, he's been a decent <laughs> shooter, but he's not a pure shooter. He's not no, a – No, no, no. He's not a guy that you can just go – that's the guy that's going to just start raining threes on everybody. I, I don't see that out of him. Mm-mm. So you can't rely on that. And, no, and, no, and, no. and especially if you look at the box score of the Mississippi State game, while he was 5 of 7, everybody else stunk the place up. Right, right. But so you can't was, rely on that. No, no, but I'm saying not even just from the three perspective. I'm saying we just need to run it through him, get into oh, his no, no, spots. No, 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 no. I, that 100%, I agree with that. I, 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 I wholly agree with that. He is a player. He is a guy that it absolutely needs to be getting the ball in his hands, but you can't rely on that. It's not something that you need to use as a crutch. That where Auburn a lot of times has used the three as kind of their thing, and it, and, yeah. and you just end up using it too much. This team does not need to be shooting twenty five three pointers. They have no, no business, no. no business in the world, trying to throw up twenty five three pointers, and so. You have to get that paint game going. You have to get the inside game going with Janai, uh, and obviously with Dylan coming in off the bench. You've got to be able to get that going. You cannot lose that battle because if you lose that battle, then you turn into shooting 25 threes, and that's just a recipe for a loss if you're Auburn. And again, K.J. Williams, yet another really quality big man in this league. Auburn's already seen a few of them. They, they stymied Colin Castleton, but then Tolu Smith had a really good game against them this past weekend against Mississippi State. So yet another opportunity for Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell, as you guys were talking about, to try and stop LSU's leading scorer and rebounder, K.J. Williams. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of the show today. We'll talk a little bit more about Auburn and LSU as we progress through this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Stay tuned. We're coming right back. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We're on Tiger 95.9. Brian LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here 
on this, again, kind of dreary Wednesday. Just going to be a lot of rain the next few days. Uh, saw some projections that uh, starting yet with yesterday, the next two weeks would be seven to nine inches of rain in a two-week span, which is uh, decidedly a lot. A lot of rain. Decidedly a lot. Uh, but uh, we don't want it to rain on any birthday parades. And so let's transition now into birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's birthdays, starting out with a current Atlanta Brave, the ace of the Atlanta Braves, Max Freed. Turns 29. Freed was born in California. Was California's high school player of the year as a senior. He was taken seventh overall by the Padres in 2012 and was traded to the Braves in 2014. He made his MLB debut in 2017. He's been part of the starting rotation ever since. One-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner, and a Silver Slugger back when the pitchers could hit. Uh, rest in peace to that. And one World Series championship with the Braves two years ago. He has a career record of 54 and 25. In an ERA of 3.09, Max Freed turns 29 today. Julius Peppers turns 43, former NFL defensive end. Peppers was born in the state of North Carolina, was a high school All-American. He attended the University of North Carolina, where he broke several defensive records and was a unanimous All-American as a senior. He also won the Benaric and Lombardi trophies. His number 49 is retired by North Carolina. He was taken second overall by the Carolina Panthers in 2002 and played 16 years in the National Football League, was a nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, one of the best defensive ends of all time. Julius Peppers turns 43 today. Leonard Fournette turns 28, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fournette played high school football in Louisiana, where he was named an All-American and was the number one overall recruit in his class. Signed with LSU and played three seasons in Baton Rouge. He was an All-American as a sophomore, two-time All-SEC selection, averaging over six yards a carry for his career. His 40 career touchdowns are third most all-time at LSU. He was taken fourth overall by the Jags in 2017. After being traded to the Bucs, he helped the team to a Super Bowl win in 2020. Leonard Fournette turns 28 today. And finally, Angelique Kerber turns 35, German tennis professional, born in 1988. Kerber made her pro debut in 2007, won her first major in 2012. She's been ranked as high as number one in the world. She's a three-time Grand Slam singles winner and won a silver medal in the 2016 Olympics. She has won a total of 14 professional tournaments. Angelique Kerber turns 35 today. And really the question I want to know is those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. If that is a solid list in the opinion of Tom Peavy, because he was not overly impressed with yesterday's list. Run them down for me again. Max Freed. I like him. Julius Peppers. Like him. Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And then Angelique Kerber. Three out of the four we'll go with. All right. I mean, she Kerber was no, number she, one in the world. She's great, so. but I just don't know who she is. So overall, <laughs> but overall, solid list. Fair to say? Absolutely. Okay. There we Julius go. Peppers out of? I mean, I know he went to North Carolina. Okay, North Carolina. Right. right. I said it in the okay, well, I was I was <laughs> I was busy over here researching. So Right. Leonard Fournette out of? LSU. There you go. Uh, good list today. Um, 
Auburn Max, played. Auburn played against Julius Peppers. Uh, Auburn North Carolina the, Chick-fil-A Bowl. 2000 Peach Well, the Peach, Peach Bowl. Bowl. Yep. 2000 Peach Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dontarius Thomas had the uh, really cool play for Auburn where he was going out of bounds uh, with an interception and tipped it back in inbounds to a guy that they ruled an illegal forward pass. All right. Yeah. Interesting. They said he possessed the ball uh-huh. and then threw it forward even though he was in the air going out of bounds. Right. But he possessed the ball and illegally passed it forward. All right, then. Hmm. Uh, uh, obviously, I was a little too young to know that game, which was probably great because I, I like both schools a lot and yep. would not want to be torn. But um, that, uh, yeah, Julius Peppers. I'm sorry, 2001 Peach Bowl, not 2000. Well, 2000 season going yeah. into 2001, I guess, Peach Bowl. No, 2001 season. Oh, 2001 season. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, good list right there. Uh, on our birthdays and sports today, again presented by Max Credit Union. We need to take our next commercial break of the show today. If you'd like to give us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 More sports call straight ahead. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Wednesday. Ryan, Tom, and Cam with you here. Having a good time. Let's move on now and let's talk a little transfer portal slash NIL. Just two of the favorite topics now in the, love it. in the college football world. And a couple of quarterback news. Everyone loves a good quarterback in either the portal or about to get his NIL money. And so we've got two... Uh, quarterbacks here to talk about and not necessarily Auburn related here. I do want to make that premise. I'm not saying one of these guys is coming to Auburn because one of these guys is committed elsewhere and one of these other guys I think is uh, strongly mocked somewhere else. But let's start with uh, Jaden Rashada. Uh, If those out there do not know who that is, this is a five-star quarterback out of the state of California who was originally committed to Miami and then changed that commitment to Florida and signed with Florida a few weeks back on signing day. The reports were that NIL money for Rashada was around $13 million. Yeah. I said 11 during the break, and, and Cam said, no, it's 13. Yeah, that's and, what I'm reading 13 yeah, here. And, and uh, so I, I can't believe I lowballed at $11 million is <laughs> the moral of that story. Dude, that's wild. And so the reports out there have been simmering for a week or so, and now today officially Rashada is asking out of his letter of intent to right. the University of Florida. The, the speculation is, the reporting is, that Florida is not able to follow through on this $13 million NIL deal. Can I correct you with something real quick? Okay, sure. 
it's not Florida. It's the Gator Collective. <laughs> so I'm speaking more <laughs> general term. I'm know, speaking more in the actual. That's still yeah. I know, but but even. to but to clarify, well, because Auburn has a collective, right? It's not supposed to go that way. Right. It's the university is not the one that right. is paying this money. It is that collective. So the Gator Collective can't come up with the money. Apparently, it's just that wool cannot be pulled over my eyes. So, <laughs> uh, but okay, if we want to be technical, yes, the Gator Collective. Uh, is not able to follow through on their $13 million promise to Rashada, apparently. Now, uh, again, reminder, as I said just a moment ago, his original commitment was to Miami, and I think I saw maybe 9 or $11 million, Maybe that's where I'm getting the $11 million from in my head uh. that uh, was alleged to be offered from Miami. So now that $13 million is fall is, is falling through at Florida – I would insinuate. I would think, and the crystal balls on two four seven insinuate that he's going to go to Miami. What, what to make out of this big pot of money and this big time recruit that's now not going to Florida? I saw something that said him he might be going to Colorado. Oh, there's Colorado. a shocker! Well, was he going to go to sit behind again, Shador for a year? There are why not? Again, there are nine crystal balls here on two four seven, and every single one has Miami. Miami. going back to miami now granted most of these are in the past so maybe those are not fresh uh and i'll have to double check that so maybe colorado would be involved now yeah um but i guess i mean miami i guess you still have to keep an eye on too but but maybe colorado too either way it's not going to florida but get this so this is how this is how bad this is getting and will get worse and, and it's going to get it is 100 percent going to get worse and everybody who has been against this type of stuff is said was saying back then is like if you open up pandora's box you're opening up a world of trouble for stuff and here we go now there's already been trouble but i'm just reading this is from espn.com here that the financial backing fell through uh, and the Gator Collective terminated the binding agreement, uh, which, of course, left Florida and Billy Napier to scramble to try to get uh, Rashada on, uh, to campus. But here's the kicker. Rashada's representatives, so this kid has representatives. We're, right. talk, we're talking about a high school kid 18. who is not an 18-year-old, yep. a high school kid who has never even gone to college to play ball yet, already has representatives. Rashada's representatives could file a lawsuit against the Gator Collective and maybe the athletic department. Whoa. What? Here we go. Hey, kid. Sorry. <sighs> sorry, we don't have the $13 million. That, oh, okay, well, now you're, now you're going to get sued because you're backing out on that a quote-unquote binding agreement. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not great. I, I, no, that's this is out of freaking control is what it is. This is dumb, and this is what was going to happen. Everybody warned. The it was warned. It was. I mean, there's just there's ways that you just <laughs> can't get this done without right. it turning into a complete cluster. Right. Well, and this is why, I mean, I know people don't like to hear these comparisons, but if you draw comparisons to the professional leagues, 
This is why there are players associations and unions and representatives from both the league and the players and collective bargaining agreements about how contracts work and this, that, and the other because you don't need a situation where every single time something finicky happens with pay, you're getting sued. Or every single time there seems to be a promise made by one, the promise is not kept by another. Yeah. Eventually, somebody's going to have to put a cap on this thing. Exactly. And it's like, you're not allowed to pay this. You're not allowed to play any high school kid more than this. You know? Yep. And that's it. It's just done. It's going to suck for the first couple of years of, of kids that like, well, this kid or Rashada just got double-digit millions. How come I have to sure. be capped at two or one? Uh, sorry. Well, and so then, that this thing does not happen. Well, then if it turns in, also it turns into a lawsuit, then you set the precedent for these other kids that are like, yep. oh, yeah. collective, you told me $22 million and now you said, oh, no, you're not going to give me $22 million? I'm going to sue you. And now the precedent is set because he he sued – I don't know if he would win or not, but goodness sakes, if he did win and they pay him $13 million and he doesn't even play football for him, then this next kid's going to go, yeah, well, I'm going to sue you. Yep. That's And I mean, that's it's going to turn into professional athletics. It's a contract. So yeah. so your, your binding agreement is a contract and now you have to pay them that money. This kid's right. not even the top ranked quarterback in the country. He's the number seven ranked, at least according to ESPN, the number seven ranked quarterback. There are right. six quarterbacks ranked higher than this kid, and he's getting a $13 million thing. What's he, what's he ranked overall? Uh, 27th overall rated player in the country. 27 out of what, I guess we'd say top 300, sure. right? Sheesh. I mean. And, and, and the kid, somebody's <laughs> trying to pay this kid $13 million in NIL, and now he's you know throwing the middle finger up at them because they're like hey you know we might not be able to get you 13 it's it frustrating not, yeah i mean this it's, is it's, so daggum frustrating because everybody knew that this is what was going to happen yep it Let was the cat out of the bag and didn't even have a leash on it <laughs> well, well no like i said you i always say you know you open pandora's box you can't get pandora back in the box once you yeah. open it right it's done Yep. So you open, just, open it and let it go. It's it's a free for all, and so I just now now what the solution's going to be well moving the, the, forward. You well, have to come up with something. So right? why it's, it's got to be a cap? You there there's there's only one way. I mean, it has to be a cap unless you just compl- unless the NCA, which I don't see how this could ever happen, if the NCA just steps in, puts their foot down and go, all these NIL collectives y'all are done. We're going back to the way it used to be. You're not paying these kids. If we find out you're paying them under the table, then we will put you on probation. And if you keep paying them, then we'll give you the death penalty. That's done. So why that's, did that's the, the only way you do it is you get it back to the way it used to be. Why did the NCAA, and this is kind of rhetorical because we know they're stupid, but <laughs> why did the NCAA, when this was beginning two years ago, there, why did they Why did they just let it go? Were there lawsuits? I, I mean, there were, but... I, why did they not try I mean, to attempt some form right. of structure for this? Yeah, I guess because they were so down at the time, and I mean nobody necessarily took them it's, I almost, seriously. I almost think that they wanted chaos to happen to prove that they're necessary. That's like, a like my my That's working a my working theory is right. that they wanted things to go so poorly, and they wanted to prove to people that they're. Hey, you need us. They don't, right, yeah. that 
maybe that that a, that a governing body is truly necessary, yep. and given the right leadership, it can be handled, and um, everything has to go through. That. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, all the NCAA I mean, that's folks a good going, theory. Ha, ha, told you so. That's a yep. good theory. Honestly. Told you so. Told you so. Because yes, exactly. Now they have a new president, and so I mean. Yeah, I mean, now you can look and say, I told you so, and now there's completely new leadership in there. And, you know, however he wants to go about things, you know, he can. And he can say, I'm coming in. I'm not from the past. I'm not from the past regime. I'm right. I'm coming in. Right. This is how we're laying things down, uh, and this is how it's going to be moving forward. If you don't want to comply, here's, get over it. Here's, here's my thing, and I think this – if you're going to make some changes to stuff, that this is how it has to be done. And, and again, it's going to have to be the NCA stepping in and coming up with some rules and some enforcements with it. So, for instance, let's take SUNY Lee, for example. SUNY Lee is the prime example of how NIL is work, works in a positive way. I, as, and then now, if it was promised to her, that never got out there. I never heard anything that was ever promised to SUNY Lee. If you come to Auburn... We're going to give you however many million dollars of NIL money. That was never yeah. promised. She came here. She was already a thing. She had already won the gold medal right. and everything. What that allowed her to do is to compete on the college level while still doing her things with the Olympics and, and doing dancing with the stars and doing all the, the commercials and the that's the name, image, and likeness type stuff. That's how that works. And that protects your amateurism. And that was the whole point of the NCAA doing that is to protect amateur athletes, to allow them to keep their amateur status and still be able to do these things like SUNY Lee does right. and still be able to compete. Otherwise, that's why you've never seen, until SUNY Lee, that's why you've never seen an Olympic gold medalist like a Mary Lou Retton or anybody compete in college because they couldn't. They could not make that money on, on endorsements and everything like that and compete at the college level. That's how it's supposed to work. It's not supposed to work of, hey, kid, we're going to pay you $13 million to come to Florida. Our school, yeah. That's not how that's to supposed to work. Be a part of our that, football That program. is completely against what the NIL was set forth and what it was supposed to yeah. do. But it's what everybody knew was going to start happening is that people are going to start getting in bidding wars for these players. And now you've got, you've got kids that go to a school and they're like, oh, Oh, I already signed, and now they just called me up and said they're going to offer me more. Hey, you know what? I, peace out. I'm going to go over here now because they, they decided to pay me $3 million more than y'all did. Now, if you want to up it, I'll stay with you. Well, it's, I mean, that's such BS when it comes to college athletics. That's not how it's supposed to be. So my very much professional GMing cap cannot – I can't throw it away. I've got to always think right. the, kind of the way – um, a GM would or, or the way contracts work that we know them in professional ranks. So whenever I hear an NIL situation like this, the $13 million for Rashada, I've got to ask some pretty simplic, simplistic questions that maybe other people don't care as much about, but it's like, is that $13 million for a singular season? Is that just right. to arrive onto the campus? Is yeah. that $13 million if you stay at the university for X amount of time? Is that, because uh, is that $13 million for signing? Because I'm going back to the okay. ESPN. His arrival in Gainesville was contingent on a four-year $13 million okay, okay. NIL deal he signed with Gator Collective. 
Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's exactly what I want to hear because some of these numbers that I hear, which get increasingly more lucrative as time goes on, I'm unsure if we're pertaining to one year or two years or the life of being at a school. And it's like newsflash. We have this NIL and I could easily trans. We're having a great conversation. I'm not going to transfer this into the other person we were going to talk about in this segment, but we have this big NIL. You're agreeing to all this money. And Oh, by the way, we have this mechanism in the transfer portal where you can jump ship just like that. And so that's why I want to hear the terms on, on these agreed upon stuff, because if you're paying these kids and look, so Four for 13, still yeah, three so that, plus yeah, million 3. a year. 3.25 million per year. So what you're saying is you might pay this kid for, let's say he's still gone to Florida. He's not. That's the why we started talking about this. But if he'd went to Florida under this structure and he makes $3.25 million for a year, doesn't play I, for whatever reason, uh, doesn't win the job, they brought someone else in, whatever, and then he transfers... Well, he, what, let's forget the $10 million or so he's not getting. He's still got $3.25 million to sit there. Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, that's also yeah. not what we're trying to right. accomplish here. And I'm not saying I that wonder, you can't get right. paid anything for being, because not everyone starts, not right. everyone factors right. big time in. But I'm saying $3 million is a lot for someone to never play it down for a school. Yeah, that's a lot. And I wonder how much of that is contingent on on if he gets the job on like he's if he does become the starter on how much playing time right. per snaps things like that. Um, I would I would assume so, right? Because you don't want. I mean, I get you'd it. hope you want, so, right? You'd yeah. hope so because you don't want him just to get to campus. If that's the case, then you know I, I what what what's the point of putting in the work um, or any of that? I, I just well, I that, guess I agree. And and if you're gonna I mean, if you if they're already now saying they're not going to come, they can't come up with the money, and now you're talking about potential lawsuits. And then, yeah, I mean, it, are you are you are, are schools handcuffing themselves to these players? Because yeah. then, if they don't win the job, are they going to turn around and sue? Because no, you agreed that you were going to pay me this money, and now because I'm not the starter, I'm not getting these nil opportunities. So therefore, now I'm right. going to sue you because you told me I'd be able to get this money. And and I get it because some. Some players, like I'm, I'm questioning if you're going to even be willing to put into work once you get that 3.25 million, because that's 3.25 million per year that you're getting. That's more than I would say 95 percent of Americans make in a year. You know, maybe more than that. <laughs> maybe yeah. more than that. So it, it definitely puts you in the top top three to five three to one yeah. percent immediately at the age of 18, 19 years old. Right. Um, and, and it's not at that for point, certain that you're good at what right, you do. Right, exactly. And so at that point, I get it. You know, you you most people, you go to college to play ball or, you know, you go to high-level football, these five stars, they have aspirations for the league. So that kind of continues to push them because they have a career that they want to, you know, f- come to fruition. But, I mean, man, you get that. You, you, you're in college for two years. You you have $7 million, right, three – Excuse me, six point five million dollars. Yeah. So I'm sure it's seven because someone else handed out right. something. Right. So were after that, <laughs> yeah. After that, do you even need a college degree? Do you even care about football? You know, it's just it's a lot of stuff that you can bring into question about the morals and ethics of how you're giving these kids this money. No. And you know, maybe they're they're maybe they will use it for the right reason. Maybe they're going to use it to put their parents in retirement. All these different things. But you can do that 
with the three million. With, with far less. Than yes, that, yeah. with far far less. <laughs> That's so there's not a college. There's, there's not a college student it's, or college athlete. That needs three million dollars. Insane. Yeah. And and a year, excuse me, a, a year. year. And so it, it definitely brings into question. And and so then you're gonna you might get a lot of athletes that might get the money and then quit. You know, or maybe they have to return the money. Maybe there's a contingency where they have to return the money. So that's what keeps them around. You know, you never know. You, you there's a bunch of questions into how that quote unquote contract comes into you know question um because you don't you don't know what's in writing you don't know what 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 it brings to the table well, i get it's still a lot of money don't get me wrong it's still a lot of money well here's the thing but if, if if the if the collective and the school are up for being sued by this kid then there's no way they're up for being sued I, that's what was reported is that it leaves it open for a lawsuit. I mean, that, yeah. he's just but, meaning like they're oh. eligible. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I see that, that, not that they're down. Not like, oh, yeah, <laughs> sue us. Come on. They can be sued if, right, if, right, they, right. if that's the case. If they can be sued, then in turn, these collectives and all need to be able to sue the player. Yeah. I mean, uh, you got, it can be one way yeah, street. Then it, then it turns into a, a whole well, legal dispute. Well, I mean, yeah, right. Well, hey, that, and, you know, there about you the state of California, and they talked about how these players are becoming, you know, employees and things like that. Yep. And, and it just turns into a whole thing. And then, you right. know, Ryan's right. Oh, it's in, a very whole thing yeah, already. And, and right. And <laughs> sure. then, you know, well, you bring in unions and then you all right. that and representation. But, no, yeah. but, and, but if, if this if this kid is – if if this kid is leaving Florida because they can't come up with thirteen million and sues the collective, so then if he comes, if he goes, if he makes an agreement of four years for thirteen, and after the first year he decides to leave, then he ought to be able to be sued. You get you agree you agreed to four years, thirteen million dollars, and now you right. bail on us after one year. We're going to sue you. Right. I mean, that, that, right. hey. I don't like this. I no, like I don't know. I, I don't, don't like either. I don't either. But I'll be damned if, if the kid and his quote unquote representatives can sue the collective and sue right. the university, then they damn well no, better they be able. Yeah, they I can mean, sue him it's too. It's within their rights. It should yeah. be within their rights to be able to retaliate and say, if you leave, then I mean, we have all the rights to also get our money back. Yep. But again, it could be in the contract, right? So again, it could all it, well, that could it, all be moot point where there's and this is the thing. Why it's within the contract where if yeah. you leave the school, either we give you a we cut off you right there and there. You don't have to return anything. You know, it, it is what it is. Or you have to return a certain amount back to the university um, if you do leave, and I, or back to the collective, or however that works. Because it was, it was, that would be the smart thing. Sure. If, if I'm writing up paperwork, that would be the smart thing to move because of how active the transfer portal is, right? I mean, you have players that are in three, four right. times. So it's but the issue and the problem that you get into is now you start talking about literal contracts so then it no longer becomes amateur play yeah but i mean, I mean we already get, i mean assigning a letter of intent is a contract in itself and they've been doing that for a long time yeah, well yeah but that yeah that's but, an agreement to play for the school yeah, so but, that's but a contract yeah, but it, yeah, really think yeah but i mean it, but now with the transfer rules you can just break that contract anytime you want to with Fair. no with no repercussions. Yeah. If you start actually making an actual binding legal contract, then I mean Florida yeah. can say no. 
They yeah. can say he can't be released from his letter of intent. Sure. And he would have to wait. Yeah. So they and have then, the and, power. Yeah. And then don't pay him his money. <laughs> Eat it, kid. Jeez, isn't this all fun? Uh, we'll just <laughs> love talking about, time. <laughs> talking about the this part of The demise of an 18-year-old. Absolutely. Uh, out of time for hour number one. In hour number two, we'll have more talk on the college football world. Again, a ranking of the top 25 programs in the last 20 years. Try and get to that. we got Player of the Week to reveal at 4.30. And then Joe Bartle of Roto Wire at 5.15. Stay tuned. This Wednesday uh, edition of Sports Call continues in a moment. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two getting underway here of Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Fun first hour. We talked about 18-year-olds with similar amounts of millions of dollars to their age uh, at the end of hour number one. If you missed any of that, check it out on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Coming up in just a few minutes, going to try and give away some Auburn women's basketball tickets. Also at 4.30 or so, we'll have Sports Call's Player of the Week. And again at 5.15, Joe Bartle, who comes on the show each and every Wednesday, he'll talk about last week's NFL playoff games, look forward to this week's, and any other relevant topics in the sports world. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here. On the other side of that break, we were talking NIL. If you missed it, uh, Jaden Rashada, who was going to go to Florida, uh, had a deal with their collective to uh, make $13 million over four years to go to Florida and uh, is now wanting out of his his letter of intent. It's caused a whole stir. Uh, We'll see where he ends up if Florida lets him out of his letter of intent. I suspect they would, but we'll see. Uh, and so that uh, caused a, a nice, lively discussion there at the end of hour number one. I also wanted to talk about, uh, I mentioned uh, or alluded to a second name there during that. I uh, also just want to talk a little bit more SEC happenings because this is transfer portal related and what's going on at Ole Miss. And uh, obviously they've been stumbling around a little bit compared to what we thought Lane Kiffin would do in the portal, what he's done in previous years in the portal. Uh, but they get a 
transfer portal QB today, Walker Howard out of LSU, who, correct me if I'm wrong, was a five-star commit the other year uh, to LSU. He was obviously behind Jane Daniels. Jane Daniels had a very successful 2022 campaign. He is returning to LSU next year. And so Walker Howard made the decision to go in the transfer portal. However, he goes to an Ole Miss squad that, again, last time I checked, unless something's happened, Jackson Dart still remains there. I don't know the viability of Howard winning that job from Jackson Dart, but also, Tom, we've been seeing uh, some rumblings about potentially Spencer Sanders ending uh, ending up there. So what's going on here at the the quarterback position at Ole Miss? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're – they're uh they're filling up the room and uh yeah i mean they they're getting a good one uh at least from all of his stats uh, as a recruit but yeah i don't know what that means for uh for jackson dart uh whether they are ready to move on from jackson dart and then this whole idea of uh of spencer sanders potentially going there as well uh it was i was going off of uh neil mccready one of the longest standing uh ole miss beat writers out there uh, was making was talking about that the other day, so um, yeah, I mean they're they're trying to fill up their quarterback room. It, it makes me think that they're not sold on Jackson Dart if they're bringing in a guy like that, and then if they especially bring in Spencer Sanders, then that makes me think they're definitely not sold on Jackson Dart. Yeah, I mean definitely kind of arises some questions about if his job is truly safe um he didn't have a great year right um i thought he was going to do at least slightly better than he did but um he had games where he just he struggled to throw the ball obviously Ole Miss had a very prominent rushing attack so you didn't have to necessarily lean on him the um, a whole bunch to throw the ball, but when he did, uh, he threw. Uh, he he was probably good for it for at least an interception a game. We could we could definitely probably say that. Um, and you obviously don't want that in your quarterback. And um, yeah, he he just struggled and bringing in Spencer San- Sanders um, and Walker Howard uh, definitely brings questions about if if he has that job locked down. And again, Sanders is not official. That's just reporting. Right. That was something uh, Neil McCree had talked about. Um, but but Howard is official. He is going to Ole Miss. Uh, last year, Jackson Dart uh, did run for 600 yards at the QB position. Uh, one touchdown. He was a 62% passer, 2,974 yards, 20 TDs, and 11 interceptions. Obviously, the interceptions high there. Uh, not terrible stuff, no, but also no. not Average. Matt Corral. Yeah, yeah. I mean – Average is a good term for it. I mean, I you I think if you're Lane Kiffin, you're looking at the potential to do better. Obviously, they had Luke Altmeyer there to back him up for a while. I, I think I might have saw Altmeyer in the portal too. I don't mm. know if he's uh, staying in Ole Miss. So that's part of the Walker Howard dynamic. But but still interesting from Howard's perspective to go somewhere where there was a seemingly established starter, and then especially uh, the, the Sanders things is, is what makes it even weirder because. Um, you know that quarterback's not something where I mean you always love to have as good of players as you can have, but quarterback's not something where it really helps you to have two or three great no. quarterbacks on similar timelines there. And and Sanders would only have I think one year left. Dart's already been in college for two years. I I, I don't think he's had a redshirt yet. So, but uh, why would you redshirt a guy that just started at quarterback? That's not really something Dart I think would be okay with. I think he'd look to transfer again. 
Uh, just kind of interesting movement there. Spencer Sanders is obviously a guy that, that's been on Auburn people's radars for a while. He was like the first one into the portal, it felt like. He was the first name being mentioned, and then Grayson McCall, Devin Leary came, and uh, Auburn did not end up with either one of those guys for varying reasons. And Spencer Sanders just kind of been in the background the whole time, and while I don't think he's going to end up at Auburn, I, I think that – He's still a quality quarterback that I'm kind of surprised has not found a home yet. Uh, it's not it's not surprising if you have a, a backup linebacker still waiting around right now or a wide receiver trying yeah. to figure out what quarterback he wants to play with. But to not have a guy that I feel can start in the Power Five and Spencer Sanders not have a home yet, I mean, that, that one feels surprising. Yeah, uh, just pause to go back to Luke Altmaier. He is going to Illinois. He okay, committed. transfer to Illinois. Yes. Okay. Um, on, yeah, on Spencer Sanders, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird because you feel like a quarterback that was, it seems to be that he's so highly touted that he would have committed already. I think he has offers from a ton of schools to go somewhere. Right. Um, so maybe he's just taking his time. Maybe he just hasn't found the right spot. Maybe he's thinking about returning back to his previous school. You don't, I, I, I don't know. It's definitely odd that he has taken this long because he was in in the first period correct in the first transfer period right so it's the second period has just came and gone uh and he hasn't committed anywhere and so you wonder if maybe by the springtime he'll be committed it's just it's just weird and it doesn't really make much sense for him to go to old miss like you said just because you know you already got two pretty starting caliber quarterbacks there I mean, I guess if you feel confident enough in yourself to win the job, then, you know, more power to you. But I guess it just doesn't make much sense. Um, I don't know. Well, now I'll, I'll say this from from an Auburn perspective on things with Spencer Sanders. I, I don't think Auburn wants Spencer Sanders. I think they would have already offered him if they really wanted him. Was he I, not? He's not offered. My understanding is he does not have an offer. I don't think he's I don't know that he, he didn't even, even visit. visit. Yeah. yeah. He was just talked about because he's one of those in the transfer portal. He's Here, one of the here's, top quarterbacks. Here's honestly what I, I – I, so Auburn's got their eye on a freshman quarterback out of Arkansas whose name is also Walker. Uh, uh, Walker White. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of him. Yep. Uh, four-star quarterback out of uh, Arkansas Christian Academy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, four-star kid, but he would be a true freshman. Auburn's really looking at him. In the transfer portal, though, I really think that – Auburn may be waiting until after spring and see what happens with other schools around there, namely Georgia. Georgia's got several five-star kids sitting in their quarterback room right now, and one of them's going to get the start next year, and there's at least two others that may not be able to see. This is something Terry from Auburn brought up yesterday on the phone call. Right. He, he, he believes there will be one of those guys transferring in right. probably to Auburn. And, and uh, Terry brought that up. I had already previously heard that from, from folks that I speak to quite a bit. And there's nothing saying that's what's going to happen, but it, it makes sense. Yeah. You, you know, you don't want to – if you think that that's a possibility, and I firmly believe that Auburn believes that that's a possibility, that one of those kids at Georgia is going to come open, and they're probably better than a lot of the guys that are currently in the transfer portal – so you wait until spring, see how that shakes out, and see which ones, and even not just Georgia, but wherever else, you may have guys that go through spring and just don't like it. Uh, you know, they they don't like it. They don't get the starting job. Whatever 
happens after spring you get another whole cycle of of transfer portal and you might be able to go in and get your hands on somebody even better than you could right now because if you do it right now then you're you're taking away that scholarship opportunity mm-hmm. so leave it up until after spring and see what happens if, if you don't if you don't like the guys that are out there currently wait a little bit there's probably going to be some more out there just because of the way the transfer cycle thing works now yeah always more and i know this was not quarterback related but just for instance old miss just uh lost a safety to the portal just a moment ago actually uh they're starting safety from last year to johnson who had 78 tackles for the rebels uh, apparently not a fan of maybe pete golding or something as he comes in there and so he's hitting the portal uh Ole Miss has had a troublesome portal season that has been for yeah, sure so it is plenty of guys uh, leave uh very interesting to see about their quarterback situation again the the Spencer Sanders dynamic there uh and I think you guys are are very fair to point out that sometimes just being patient here because there are always more to come and if Auburn is now not subscribing to the opinion that they're going to have someone in there uh, to maybe lead the way over Robbie Astrid. It might be either just someone to compete with him slash someone to back him up. Uh, then it's not as urgent that you find one uh, at that moment. You can you can uh, stand to wait a little bit longer. All right, we're going to take our next break of the show. But as we go to break, we have two women's basketball tickets available uh, for the first caller. If you call in to 334-887-3401, you can get two tickets to this Sunday's game, Auburn versus Ole Miss. Uh, these are uh, these are seats here. There's not general admission. Two tickets to Auburn and Ole Miss this Sunday in Neville Arena can be yours. 334-887-3401. Give us a call to secure your tickets right here. We've got a timeout. We'll be back in just a moment. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here. Chatting all things college football world. It will slow down at some (laughs) point-ish. But uh, for now, still lots to talk about. Portal, NIL. You say it's going to slow down like we're in the north somewhere. I I said ish. (laughs) Slow-ish down. It never slow-ishes down. (laughs) May, maybe. (laughs) A month after spring ball concludes, yeah, maybe. maybe. True, true, true. So I said ish. I, I will say this, though. I bet I bet excitement, especially when spring ball rolls around, is going to be a lot better than it was this past yeah. spring. If oh, you're, yeah. Goodness. Well, no, if you remember, I mean, we sat here, spring football started, and all of us were like, oh, 
holy crap, spring football started. <laughs> like, nobody was calling us about it. Nobody was talking about yeah. it. It was just like the the, the general malaise. I forgot yeah. to care. Yeah, yeah well, well, just the general, <laughs> mal- the general malaise of the, of the Auburn fan base leading up to this past football season was just so empty and just gutted. I don't think people cared. Nobody, no, no nobody yeah. cared. I, I was right well, there. Well, because there was no care. recruit, there was no recruiting going on. The recruiting class stunk it up. Uh, you had more players leaving than coming in. Basketball was doing great. Baseball was doing great. And it was just like, there were other things to focus on. And, yeah. you know, normally leading up to spring ball, there's like this, all right, here we go. We got some football going. Right. It literally started and everyone's like, oh my gosh, spring football started. And we haven't heard it. We hadn't even thought, it's like, hadn't even thought about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, and heard a peep. Well, yeah, that, that's not going to be the case this year. Yeah, no. Uh, I, the, the excitement level is, is back up there. Yeah, the, I mean, the only person that I was excited about coming off of A Day was Robbie Asford. Yeah. It was the only person that really showed, you know, anything uh, of worth. Just And that was just his legs. He was just running. Yeah. That was it. And you're like, oh. He has potential, and now he is the starter. So, and maybe the starter for the foreseeable future. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I mean. There you go. They go and pluck one of those former five stars out of Georgia. I don't. I mean, yeah. think he stands a chance. Um, Yeah. I, I sure. think it'd be a battle. Yeah, it, no, it'd absolutely be a battle. I know. I think, it, I think it would I be think a battle. I actually saw Robbie Ashford this this Sunday at the Waffle House. Oh, did you? Yeah, he was getting him some Waffle House. But uh, yeah, he, he, um, it, it would be a ba- it would be a battle because his legs can keep yeah. him in a battle. But if it really comes down to looking at the passing game, I he's got so much to work on in that in the passing game. I I, I don't I don't doubt I'm just that saying they, I don't think they I don't doubt that they can develop him. I, I think right. they can absolutely develop him into. You know, a pretty decent passer, but I mean, it's going to definitely take right. some work. You may have a guy that comes in here that can just Maybe. sling it, and, and that might be true. But also, since those guys have never played at Georgia, just because right. they're rated highly in high school, absolutely, you know, they're, they're, they're still going to have to prove it. Sure, true, true. Uh, sure. So, but it would, I would certainly be a battle, and, and you don't uh, know what Holden can do either, right? That, that's that's kind of the guy that nobody's even talking about. Holden Gurner is one of the one of the top rated quarterbacks in the country yeah. when he came here and nobody's even talking about you him. know the uh, and he committed to he, Harson and he stayed you know and and here's it's probably the best that, recruit that he got yeah <laughs> um but that's one thing that concerns me with him is because he was a Harson recruit and this type of system that they're running is going to be vastly different than what Brian Harson was doing and so I don't know that Holden Gardner necessarily fits into that he may hey but I mean, if you get recruited as a quarterback that fits perfectly with system A, but now you bring in system B, system A quarterback probably not going to fit in too well with the system B that you're running that you're going to do. Yeah, well, he, I, mean, I could be wrong. I think one of the things but that, though, about that, that does happen quite a bit. Uh, it does. I, I would say though that with Hugh Freeze, I think he definitely has base stuff, but he he's more ad- adaptable. He adapts to the quarterback. He does. I. One hundred percent agree. He he can he's better at adjusting the system to his quarterback than certain previous coaches. Right now, speaking of offensive minds, I have even more college football news to get across here until we take our next break. Uh, we've mentioned this off air, but uh, now on air, Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator of Arkansas, 
uh, who turned down a couple job offers in previous weeks, has now found a job offer he does not want to turn down. He's going to become the next offensive coordinator at TCU. This strikes me as a little interesting. Yeah, uh, TCU just had, obviously, a fantastic season. They go to a college football playoff. They beat Michigan. They go to the national championship game. They do get embarrassed, but they played for a national championship for at least a moment. And huh. TCU is now poaching Kendall Riles off of an Arkansas team that did not meet expectations this year, had a very uh, troublesome year. They did conclude with a bowl victory against Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. That was one of the better bowl games of, of the postseason. Uh, they got good news that K.J. Jefferson was coming back to Arkansas this offseason. And for the, for the time, it looked like Kendall Bryles, who's a very well-respected up-and-coming uh, 30-something offensive coordinator was coming back too, but now he's on his way to TCU. So what does this say about Bryles? What does this say? Does this say something even more negative uh, about Arkansas and maybe a, a downward trend for them now? Or is that making too much into this? I think ultimately it's just a message saying that the coach is going to do what they want. Um, you know, whatever is in their best interest, I feel as though they will make – that move right um oh you know arkansas 15th nationally in total offense in 2022 so a solid offense um overall and then i'm kind of reading that some of the arkansas faithful think that kj jefferson is going to follow um See, that would be significant. Yeah, yeah. that would be very significant. That would be significant. very significant. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, our great friend uh, Austin Scott points out that Kendall Bryles is, again, from the state of Texas. Uh, so kind of going home in that regard, although he did not go to TCU, he went to Houston, uh, and he has coached in his career, obviously, at Baylor with his father, uh, went to FAU with Lane Kiffin for a brief time, went back to Houston, um, or went to Houston as uh, alma mater and then was at Florida State for a year, has been at Arkansas the last three years, the Jefferson piece would be even more problematic. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson got a little banged up at times this year, and Arkansas hurt mightily offensively. And I believe, I'm trying to think of the kid's name, I believe their backup transferred. Uh, he was a really fleet-footed guy. He, he could not throw. He was. He could not throw, but that but, dude was quick. Right, I, was, I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, Robbie Ashford-ish. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna look that up. I, but I don't. Hornsby, Malik Hornsby. That, is that a that, name? That sounds. That no. sounds, ish, right. sounds right. I'm using ish a lot today. Uh, fuzzy memories, but he was their backup, and even though he could run like the Dickens, uh, they were not nearly as good offensively with Jefferson out. So if they lose Jefferson on top of Bryles, uh, that's very problematic, hmm. in my opinion. Speaking of problematic, another Ole Miss player in the transfer portal. Dang. Uh, wide receiver Jalen Robinson uh, previously had transferred from UCF, where he caught eight touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm just I'm not trying to, you know, say everything's all uh, hunky dory at Auburn because obviously Auburn had a last uh, a, a tough year last year, but they are turning the page meanwhile a couple of these west teams that have had recent successes while auburn has been down that their their script is flipping right. here on a whim a little bit that's why i'm bringing this up i don't necessarily think you know ole miss is in a ton of trouble but it's 
weird what's going on this offseason. Then for Arkansas, who was such a feel-good story uh, when Sam Pittman took them over for the first two years, they they underachieved last year, what? and now they're 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 leaking right. a little bit. <laughs> uh, Landon Rogers, Lucas Coley, any of those names sound no. right? No, no. I I know exactly who you're talking about too, and it's going to drive me up a wall if I can't find it. And maybe but. it's just that he's. Uh, were you looking at Arkansas's roster? I was just looking at Arkansas their their commits from again. Okay, the gotcha. Past, like two three years. Gotcha. Arkansas uh, or excuse me, Austin. I just called Austin uh, Arkansas, <laughs> uh, but uh, Austin again coming in clutch here. Uh, Hornsby. It is Malik okay, Hornsby, okay. and he went to Nebraska. Ah, he's on his way to Nebraska. Oh, he's out of there. Oh, he's so gone. <laughs> that's again why that's <laughs> okay. another big problem. If Sheesh. they were going to work on the development of Hornsby there. Uh, now they're, they'd have to replace the two strength backs, and of course that we could oh, be man. jumping way ahead of this. Jefferson might stay put. Right, I right. don't know, um, but uh, if he were, uh, I, I'm starting to think bad things for Arkansas in, in, in 2023. Now I, I, I think I, I think that Arkansas program. I don't think it's. I think it's leaking, but I think it's leaking like a sieve right now. Um. They've lost. They've lost so many players. Now losing a coordinator. Uh, it it feels like the fan base is not as fully on board as they were at the beginning of this past season. Um, so I I think there's trouble in paradise there. I, I really do. And yeah, you just you're just going to compound that if if Jefferson leaves them and and goes to TCU and follows Bryles, you're definitely compounding it. But I I just I really think things are. Not going so great right now. So here's Arkansas's transfer portal situation so far, too. So the way on three ranks this, just for clarity, is they rank basically value added uh, to your roster. So in other words, they take those that are transferring out. Right. With those that are transferring in, they're ranking all these players, and they're basically summing up, are you gaining more or losing more? So it's not about any one thing. It's not just about who you're bringing in. And it's not just about who you're losing. It's basically a big equation. It's a plus and minus equation there where you say, all right, am, are you getting more than you're giving up, basically? And so this is why Arkansas ranks seventh in the portal, despite having 27 players transferring out. The average rating of those 27 players, according to On3, is 67.32. Arkansas has 10 players transferring in. Again, a minus 17 there, but the average of players transferring in for Arkansas is an 81. So that's why they are ranking them as a top 10 portal class right now, despite losing 27 people, which still just seems to me to be alarming. That should be alarming. Uh, But they have transfers from... Um, Florida, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Baylor, Memphis, South Florida, another Baylor uh, school that I don't know the logo of, and then Bowling Green. Uh, but I it is it is very interesting uh, that Arkansas is headed in this negative direction. So uh, always going to be keeping an eye on not just Auburn, but all these SEC teams and their portal dealings. Again, what started that conversation, Kendall Bryles, the sharp young offensive coordinator formerly of Arkansas now on his way to TCU. We need to take another commercial break on the other side. Sports Calls Player of the Week coming up in just a few moments.
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here today. Fun show so far. Again, Joe Bartle of Rotowire coming up at 515. If you want to give us a call today on our Auburn Bank phone line, the numbers are 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. A lot of conversation about the transfer portal going on with Arkansas and Ole Miss, and then also NIL with Rashada uh, and the Florida situation and double-digit millions of dollars and just a uh, a lot to process uh, with all that. As promised, we do this each and every week. We've been doing it a little bit later in the week as of, as of late, but we've brought it back up to Wednesday today. It's time to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The fourth-year quarterback led the Giants to their first playoff win since the Super Bowl 11 years ago, defeating the Minnesota Vikings 31-24. Jones, in his first-ever playoff game, went 24-35 of passing for 301 yards and two touchdowns and added 78 more yards on the ground, becoming the first player in NFL history to have that combination of stats in a playoff game. Daniel Jones is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Daniel Jones, Sports Call Player of the Week this week. And, uh, fellas, I think uh, really here, uh, surprising just in that um, this was a guy coming into the year that we were wondering if this was a make-or-break year for him. Uh, Somebody that had had a couple of years in the league, Giants had not taken off. And some questions about his long-term viability they in the league. Yeah, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. But he's played solid football. And then on the biggest stage, I mean, look, I know that a lot of the game, too, was a referendum on Kirk Cousins, who I felt played well until his bad mistake in the in the final drive of throwing it short of the marker. I thought Cousins played fine. He yeah. was he solid did not game. choke that game away. No, no. But, but rather, Daniel Jones uh, was excellent. And uh, now they've got a third game coming up against the Eagles here shortly. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, the the Giants didn't pick up his fifth year option, but man, I I really think it just comes down to coaching. I really do. I mean, Brian Dable again. I I've said this before is my coach of the year. He, I mean, to turn the Giants around the way that he has um, turned around the culture. Um, you know, not to. I think they're still missing a few pieces, but again, to take this team to the playoffs, right? Um, this Giants team that everybody was so low on and just wasn't sure how well they were going to do. They picked Kayvon Thibodeau. They had the number five, the the fifth overall pick, um, just this past year. So you're thinking, okay, well, they're still going to be not as good. Brian Dable's going to need like two two seasons to really build this team right and get it get it going. Well, no, I mean he's implemented a. A solid offense that's built around running the football uh, in Saquon Barkley and giving Daniel Jones the opportunities necessary to um, 
to succeed. Uh, they've had six. Uh, I, I saw earlier on NFL Live, Giants have six receivers with uh, reception uh, with receiving yards over 225 yards. So they kind of spread the ball around. It's not focused on one, two receivers. Uh, they just kind of scheme. He just kind of schemes guys open. I mean, the other day uh, against the Vikings, Isaiah Hodgins had, uh, I think, like six for 105 in a touchdown. So, I mean, a solid, really good game from somebody who hadn't even been on the roster that long. Um, and Daniel Jones is now set up to succeed, played really, really well, um, and just continue to build on that going into next season. I don't think they're going to beat the Eagles. Um, but, yeah. Uh, he played very well, so he he it was very deserved that he got Player of the Week. Yeah, and what what was that stat that, that Brent uh, the third quarterback to have what three hundred and and seventy rushing yeah. yards, and I think it was like Steve Young and and Lamar Jackson or something yeah. like that. Dude can, um, you know, that's again deceptive about Daniel Jones. Is I, I remember one of my first memories of him in the NFL uh, was him leading like a three score comeback on Tampa in like twenty eighteen or nineteen, and the it was one of his first starts in the league. And he ran one in from about 15 yards or yeah. so uh, in the late going of that. He's always had some wheels to him, but again, the 300 yards passing, uh, despite you know, I think this was talked about in the Monday show that I was not on, but uh, overcoming that. I mean, not that he had to overcome it because that was their last really offensive possession, but the Darius Slayton drop that was almost right. very important. Uh, at the end, Slayton would have had a 100-yard game uh, mm-hmm. if he had made that catch because he was going to run for 15 or 20 yards to pick up that first down. Uh, but, but you know, they've not really had, like, a number one receiver that just wows you uh, like some of these teams. They don't have a Devontae Adams type of wide right. receiver. Yeah. And yet Jones has been productive. And as you said, Saquon Barkley's had a healthy year, which has been incredibly important just for him the last couple of years. He didn't lose his talent the last couple of years. He's lost his health. And this year he was healthy. And you're right, going from Joe Judge, uh, yikes, and yikes. offensive <laughs> coordinator Jason Garrett, double yikes. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw on Sunday Night Football or, or something that they're talking about Jason Garrett's two years with the Giants. I think they were 31st in offense both years. <sighs> and now this Good year they were a very competent, yeah. no, not elite, but no. they were a very competent but offense. Solid. yeah. And that's all it was. They needed to change their coordinators and coaches, and they kind of unlock something in Daniel Jones. And now he gets the distinct honor of being Sports Calls Player of the Week. I mean, look at that in the postseason. Right. Uh, so congrats to Daniel Jones on, on that. He is, again, Sports Calls Player of the Week this week, a, a week that we uh, have seen a Super Wild Card Weekend come and go. Starting to look forward to this next round of playoffs, the divisional round. Uh, I think things are going to start to get ironed out, especially in the AFC with that big Bengals and Bills matchup. And, of course, we're going to talk to Joe Bartle here in about a half hour about uh, all these NFL news and notes, uh, the hiring and firing of coaches. I Maybe this is... Uh, Maybe I'm wrong here. I might be stumbling into just something I'm just wrong about, but here we go. I feel like there were not as many head coaches fired as I thought there would be. No. Um, We we thought Staley was going to get fired. It was only a handful or or so, right? So far. I don't know who else is going to get fired, though. The the Chargers are going to keep Staley. They already said that, which is kind of hard to figure. Yeah, because they made Lombardi the scapegoat. Right. Um, which, you know, whatever, I guess. But you're you're with Brandon on that. I, I again I listened to the Monday pod and 
uh, Brent was uh, taken aback by, yeah. by the Chargers and, and Brandon Staley. Zero sense. Uh, your defense wasn't even that good. And Staley's a defensive coach, if I am remembering correctly. Is Ron Rivera still? Ron Rivera. Yeah, will, yes, he did not get still. fired. That's, that was another name that was um, potential to be fired. Uh, I would very much advocate for the relieval of duties for Todd Bowles. He's going to be in, in Tampa another year. Uh, Staley was the defensive coordinator of the Rams and, in and, 2020. Right. Probably. And you guys, def- uh, offensive coordinator, caught the caught the firing as well. Um, wow. Name just slipped my mind. Byron Leffert. Byron Leffert. Byron Leffert. Got caught, caught that as well. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, oh, he should. Yeah, he should. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because I know you guys did not run the ball well at all whatsoever. Last in the league. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely can see that but made the 45 year old set the record for a pass <laughs> i mean probably should have just saw somebody <laughs> i saw somebody throw an idea out there byron left which joining alabama staff <laughs> oh my uh, coaching rehab well uh, again the bucks were i think were 26 or 27th in scoring offense this year which bad. is unacceptable yeah not great um, in the red zone either but again it, it goes into uh just again i feel like there were a lot of guys that you could make the argument and be fired uh, Bowles is is more faulty than others. I I admit I I have my own opinions there. But first year coaches, unless your name is Lovey Smith, usually survive. Um, Don't even get me started <laughs> on that, dude. Um, I think though, with again, there was arguments. Some people were very perturbed with the way the, the Washington season ended. With I mean, they had a chance to make the playoffs. I think they lost three of four. Yeah, something like that. They they started Wentz, which was the questionable decision, bad. just because Heineke had that bad game at a bad time. Uh, then they went with Sam Howell, and they they drubbed the Cowboys inexplicably. Right. Uh, so maybe that <laughs> saved them. Maybe right. drubbing the Cowboys people did. Are, yeah, even people um, are wondering like, is Sam Howell the answer? Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, and then you had Josh McDaniels survive Las Vegas. I think that was a yeah. guy that could have been one and done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they even had to ax what was their franchise quarterback coming into the year. I mean, yeah. Derek Carr, I know Derek Carr was not great, but the, the term franchise quarterback does not pertain to your elite status. It no. pertains to who that franchise wants to lead the quarterback position for years to come. And right. there was no indication Derek Carr's time, time was coming to an end in Las Vegas prior oh. to this year. And then all of a sudden, it's now coming to an end. And Josh McDaniels, I think, has a big role in that. So, yeah. uh, I, I don't really know what got me on this the sidebar. To be quite frank, I, I don't remember. But We're just talking a little bit of NFL. But but yeah, I, just uh, talking shop. I, I guess it stemmed from the fact that the Giants changed their coach, and it made a very tangible difference with very. really the same roster. Yeah. Again, I mean, all the same skill position players, just healthier Saquon, but it unlocked Daniel Jones. Uh, they became very confident. They were not 31st in offense like they were the last couple of years. And now they're a playoff team that won a playoff game. Uh, beat a team in Minnesota that I know had a million close games. but Fraudulent! Still had 12 or 13 wins. Had to go there to win that game. Uh, and, and so I guess the moral of the story is the coaching, even in the league, matters. I, I still does. think significantly so i still think that the player holds a little more value than the coach at the professional level i think it go that way really for any sport at the professional level but if you think that the coaches don't factor into that equation in an important way i don't know what to tell you (laughs) i don't know what to tell you they still clearly matter even if it's not quite the most important ingredient ron rivera seems to be the the main coach if you just look up anything of like coaching hot seats right now remote wrong you know, Ron Rivera is the main one. I saw Stefanski's name pop up. 
Um, yeah, for the Browns. For the Browns. That, yeah, that's See, that at this such point, a weird though, situation with Cleveland because you know Deshaun didn't start the whole yeah. year. Kingsbury's so. gone from Arizona, right? Right. That, that yeah. one's done. Kingsbury's yeah. gone. He's on a one who, way who to Thailand. Are, who are the ones that are gone? Um, Kingsbury. Kingsbury they fired Lovey. Fired Matt Rule midseason awful. with Carolina because yeah. he was terrible. Right. So Carolina's technically open. Uh, New Orleans held on to Dennis held Allen. To Dennis that Allen. was another one that could have gone. Was, yeah, uh, Josh McDaniels has not been let go from no, the Raiders. Even though, yeah, they thought that. So might, that that's three. Yeah, Dennis open. Allen yeah. is still there. Stefanski with the Browns is on the list. Is that seriously? I think it? that's it, dude. That's there, like there's they, been times where there's been eight. Yeah, right, they, right. they have here. Here's your crazy. They have Mike McCarthy on this list. Oh yeah, well technically well, he's he is, safe. Now. Yeah, he's yeah. safe now. He's safe. If he'd now. have lost that game against Tampa, yeah, yeah definitely probably would have been would have been axed. Even um, though Jerry kept going on local radio stations, saying, "Why would we even consider that?" <laughs> uh, we've seen you consider uh, crazy, uh, man. But you know, I. Yeah, so if it's if it's is it just, just three? three? I really think it's just three. Um, Everyone that and could have been a lot of coordinator positions that are a yeah, lot of offensive coordinators. Yeah, I think six open. or seven of those. A lot of carousel. The, the Browns on. let go of their defensive coordinator and hired Jim Schwartz, and then the Falcons have their defensive coordinator position open. Uh, interviewed Vic Fangio and um, Brian um, Flores recently, so that's open. And then there's a lot of offensive coordinators, so. I don't know. It, it it just seems like not a lot of head coaches got let go this year outside of those three, and I don't even agree with Lovey Smith getting fired. Right. I don't agree with that. Um, I I just don't. I don't see either how because that's fair. The team was not gonna be good anyway. Right. You knew that from the jump, and I and he thought he was gonna be back. I just don't think it's fair. I think it's bad on the Texans organization to use to use anybody, particularly though. A black man to to just be their scapegoat, and they did it in back to back years. They fired a, 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 their their coach uh, two years ago. I, I David Coley. David Coley. Yeah. They fired him and brought in Lovey Smith. Why are you keeping these coaches for one year and then letting them go for no reason whatsoever? When the roster is clearly, roster's bad. clearly yeah. awful, it makes no sense if, whatsoever. If they had Deshaun, then that would have been one right. thing. It but now, they, they don't have anything. Now, so. Uh, didn't the Texans win their way out of the top pick? Yeah. yeah. So I'm just I'm because just play, probably, I'm just playing I'm playing conspiracy probably theorists Probably because here. Lovey knew that he was going to get fired at that point. Well, okay, well this is my conspiracy theory on this. What if what if there were higher-ups in that organization that were telling him they're like, "Listen, ride it out. Just let's Keep this number you one. You want to lose, yeah. Yes, we need to That's lose. Just, we need. We need again. I'm playing conspiracy right, theories. Right, right. I hate. I, hear you. I, hear you. I hate to think. That, I would love to hear people in the league say if this is actually a thing that goes on. Because right. I'm curious about it too. Because tanking's a big issue in the NBA, right? And the NFL really only comes and play the last week or two of the year, usually with the top, the worst couple yeah. teams. Do they actually ask teams to, or their own teams to lose? Well, but see, the other thing is, I, I guess. I guess you could be looking at like who they want to get, who they think they're. They interviewed they're, Sean Payton the other day. Well, I'm saying no, no. What I'm talking about is as a pro, as their number one pick, oh. whoever their first pick is going to be, because this position we have, let's just say quarterback, we have to have a quarterback. Right. Bryce Young is going to be our guy. We have to have Bryce Young. I need you to lose these games so that we do not lose the future of our team. 
And then Lovey's like, nope, we're not going to throw this. We're going to win games. And now you potentially lose out on the guy that your higher-ups want as the future of your program. And, of course, they're like, uh, no, you're fired because you didn't do what we asked you to do. Yeah. Again, it's conspiracy right, right, theory. Right, right. I'm no, not saying you. that's what happened. No, that's just you. conspiracy theory. Well, again, the, the theory we run with this, uh, this year, not as many coaches fired as could have been fired in the NFL. Might be something to ask Joe about. Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire coming up at 5.15. One more hour. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call underway here on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. I've got Cam Mary and Tom Peavy here with me on this Wednesday. Still ahead here in hour number three, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire at 5.15. And we'll have our final predictions here for Auburn and LSU. Uh, airtime over on the Auburn Sports Network, WQSI 93.9. At 5.30 and a just after 6 o'clock tip over there uh, as the Tigers take on the Tigers in Baton Rouge. All right, to all of our Sports Call callers and guests, join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call. Today on the show, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line and up on the program now. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve. Steve, how are you doing? Good. Uh, a little bit uh, rushed today. I had a lot of to-do errands, but uh, thanks for squeezing in, guys. Uh, yes, sir. Tom and uh, Cam, is that right? Yes, yes sir. That's it. Okay, guys. Uh, well, let's get to it. About tonight's game. I see that uh, the uh, smart guys, for the wise guys in Las Vegas, has a minus four and a half, and the total is one thirty-seven and a half. So, one of the uh, computers has picked us not to win. They have picked us uh, as sportsline.com as losing by two points to LSU tonight. And uh, another uh, website, uh, Team Rankings, has us winning sixty-five percent of the time. Oh, uh, guys, it's going to be a nail biter. Is that right? Yeah, I, I figure it to be a pretty close game. LSU shoots the three very well. We talked about a little talked about that a little earlier. They shoot it nearly thirty five percent from three uh, as a team to Auburn's thirty percent, uh, and of course a road game. However, LSU's been struggling the last couple weeks. They obviously just got blown out by Alabama. They had lost to Florida by double digits at home before that. So LSU has been trending in the wrong direction, and Auburn has been trending in the right direction lately. So. Uh, I, I think that's why Auburn is favored. Uh, they've got the more positive momentum at the moment. So on paper, this should be a breeze. 
I didn't say uh, well, I didn't say a breeze. breeze. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we've got more talent, more experience. But there is a guy that uh, I, I know, and if I know it, I know Coach Pearl and the rest of the coaches know it, and that is a guy by the name of, uh, is it K.J. Williams? Yes, uh, their leading scorer, 18 points 45%, a game. 45%, I think, is his three-point shooting percentage. Yeah, he is a big guy, uh, and he, he plays both inside and outside. I saw him play against Wake Forest in Atlanta, and he had 35-10 and 10 or 36-10 and 10 in that game, and he was very impressive. But he still did a lot of his work down low, at least in that game. And then I saw that overall, LSU uh, is not too shabby uh, as, a, as a team for three-pointers. 39%, I think. Uh, percentage completion on yeah. three-pointers. Yeah, I just mentioned that. They're 35% from three uh, as a 35? team, and Auburn is 30. Yep. Okay. All right. So uh, I don't expect a repeat of uh, anyone for us. you going over 18 tonight, right? Yeah, no, that, that over in this day and age is incredibly rare from three. All right. So um, do we know, you know, because I haven't uh, seen any updates on Chris Moore. Uh, so I just saw one, uh, actually, that you spoke about. Justin Ferguson, who we had on the show yesterday, tweeted just literally 35 seconds ago that Chris Moore is not dressed out despite making the trip, so he will not play tonight. Okay, maybe that's probably best. Yeah, I don't want to rush it, and uh, Auburn's played well without him here the last couple games. Not saying he's not useful, but uh, you know, Chris Moore definitely want to get that uh, 100%. So do you think it's best that we are going to go over the total? for us to win, or that we need to keep it down below 138 points? Uh, that's a good question. Obviously, at 137.5 or 138 or so, you're talking about like a, a 71 to 67 type of game would be right on, on that number, especially if you got Auburn by 4.5. Uh, I, I think that Auburn will need to score at least 70. I don't think it will be the the – yuck it up, mucky game necessarily that we saw against Mississippi State. Obviously, that one ended 69-63. So I do think Auburn needs to come up with enough offense to score 70 points. I do not think they need a huge day. I don't think they need to get to 80. Uh, but I, I would anticipate getting to the low to mid-70s to win this game. Um, a rock fight? Not quite that bad. No, I, I wouldn't say that. Again, LSU has a great big guy. Uh, he does play a little bit of inside and outside. But I don't think the team as lar- at large is, is as physical as Mississippi State. I don't think it'll be that murky of a game. All right. So real quickly, guys, my time is limited. Um, two things that happened in uh, sports history today on this date. Uh, the first one on this date in 1958 um, happened for the first time. Do you know what that might be? First time in 1958. Not ringing a bell. 1958. That was before the my NHL, time. <laughs> National Hockey League was integrated. Okay, Bill right. Bailey might have known that. Uh, yeah. We did not, though. Yeah, and the person who did it, uh, uh, the black gentleman, his name was Willie O'Ree. He was a Canadian. Okay. He became the first, according to the History Channel, the first black player to play in the NHL. I also didn't know this. There was an American Hockey League. Did you guys know that? The AHL. I think I'd heard of it. Okay, but they no longer exist, right? Right. Okay. Not anyway, he played for, well, for quite some time. He played with the Boston Bruins. Okay. And uh, he ended up being a pretty good uh, uh, player from what I was reading. Uh, he played uh, 43 games with the Bruins uh, in one season and scored four goals. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting about him. One other item that occurred today uh, and this happened with Major League Baseball uh, in 1996. 1996, okay. Um, 
in January. I don't know. Somewhere signed with somebody with the McGuire with the Cardinals or something. I don't know. No, uh, this is what happened. I didn't even know this, uh, this recent, but a unanimous uh, vote approval was made by Major League Baseball owners to have interleague play for the 1997 season. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, so, I, I guess I knew they didn't used to do that. So, okay. And before that, uh, apparently, again to the History Channel, it broke a 126-year tradition of teams only playing games within their league during the regular season. All right. So if you didn't know it then, now you do. There you go. All right. Do you know who the uh, refs are going to be for uh, the refereeing team for this uh, game tonight? Uh, I am not familiar with uh, who will be the refs tonight. Because sure. there are some refs that apparently are not Auburn, let's say, friendly. Um, I don't know. All I know is Auburn's wearing orange. I saw that posted on Twitter just a little bit ago. Okay. All right. Now, I do know uh, we cannot go 20 and 25 turnovers and hope to win this game. Right, guys? No. no. You're not going to win a yeah, whole lot of games turning games the ball over 20 times. You might be able to survive it against Mississippi State, who shoots over from three. But against anybody else, if you turn it over 20 times, that's not a good recipe for success. And the points in the paint, we were horrendous uh, protecting uh, the paint, apparently, Miss- against uh, Mississippi State. I mean, uh, they were getting to us. Uh, Ad nauseum, right? Mississippi State dominated Auburn in the paint. So is that something that Janai Broom is need to be, um, I guess, uh, responsible for? Uh, Janai Broom's just got to have a better game than he did against Mississippi State. I mean, he he's okay. he's got it. He needs to have a better game because then that's going to take the pressure off of Auburn from thinking they have to shoot so many threes. And then our rebounding was uh, not not anything to speak about, right? Yeah, Mississippi State especially got some offensive rebounds late in that game, and they got some pretty good looks at three uh, late there that they just could not make. If they had made even a few of them, Auburn would have been in grave danger there. But fortunately, Auburn survived that. So, again, Auburn won that game, but they did a few things that they cannot keep doing. Yeah, I just noticed. I remember they just kept getting two two and three-second chances uh, and getting, getting rebounds. Uh, that we couldn't stop them from doing. Right. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Okay. Uh, that's, I think, pretty much uh, well, what I've got, guys. So uh, thank you for squeezing me in. I uh, look forward to uh, listening to the podcast later on this evening when I have uh, more, uh, less, hopefully less uh, stress time. But uh, I'm sure I'll be on my uh, toes and needles and pins uh, come this game because no games are going to be easy for us uh, at all, right? Well, probably not on the road, except no. for maybe South Carolina this weekend. If, if there's going to be I'm one, not that I don't know, man. Ole Miss went to South Carolina one by eleven last night, and Ole Miss not very good. So, if, if, if there is going to be a game where Auburn has a uh, not a stressful road game, it would be this weekend against South Carolina. But obviously, got to play LSU first. And finally, how about number two Kansas finally going down last night? Did you watch it? I did. That game was I, I awesome. It. I thought Kansas was going to pull it out. I did too for a second, but uh, Kansas State's a really good team, and and it is tough to win on the road, especially against your top rival like that. Uh, Kansas and Kansas State do not like each other at all. Um, that was a great game. I mean, overtime, uh, Keontae Johnson get, uh, getting the game-winning um, alley-oop dunk. Um, How about that he, guy named Wilson? He was killing Kansas yeah. State. 
Jaden uh, Jaden Wilson, I think. Yeah, he yeah. he yeah, he's a bucket getter. He has been since. Um, I mean, it didn't matter what hand he had it in, and he'd go straight to the rim, and he'd, he'd get fouled. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be to the to be fair, they just let him go right, and he is such a strong right-handed driver that he was just finishing layups all over the place. Uh, they didn't really try to stop him going right, and they definitely should have. Uh, that was a great, great game to watch, though. All right, guys, my time is up. Thank you for your time, as always. I'll uh, look forward to talking to you guys some more, hopefully in a winning uh, mood uh, with our team. So have a relaxing evening. And until tomorrow, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call, hmm. as always, on our Auburn Bank phone line. K-State's second leading scorer in that game, Desi Sills. Yeah. Uh, uh, after uh, going to Little Rock yeah. for a year, made it back to major conference basketball, uh, and now hurt, making an impact. Hurts my heart. There you go. All right, uh, got to go to our next commercial break. On the other side, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire discuss NFL playoffs. That is coming up in just a couple of minutes. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. We'll be live from our studios here on South College Street. A lot that we've gone over today, Transfer Portal, NIL, talk some NFL, and now we're going to continue to talk some more NFL as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line. And we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire. We've had him on throughout the NFL season he was helping you with your fantasy needs. He also does fantasy basketball, which we'll hit on some too. Uh, again, as I've mentioned last week, he mentioned to us that he's starting fantasy baseball and covering that. So just Joe does it all for Roto Wire, and uh, we're glad to have him on the show again today. Joe, hope you're well. Thanks again for joining us today. Yeah, always happy to talk to you guys. Uh, so let's start to break down what we saw in the NFL last week, and then we'll look forward to this next round of playoffs we saw some surprisingly close games on saturday and sunday we we had a few betting lines that were up around double digits or even into double digits in the case of i believe the bills and dolphins yet we saw a lot of high quality games i mean there's so much to go through but if if you had to pick one uh what game were you most uh, entertained by oh man that's a good question i think there was a decent amount um as somebody that, that covers the Chargers at RotoWire, so I guess by default with the amount of time I spend with them, I'm, I'm a fan of them somewhat. Um, it was entertaining to watch that game from both the front end and back. I had been rooting pretty actively for the Chargers to lose so that they could have Sean Payton as their head coach. Um, but to see the end result, their uh, offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, fired, and not Brandon Staley, I guess is slightly disappointing for me. So maybe, that, maybe the end game result wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Um, I, I was pretty thoroughly interested in the Giants and Vikings, and that game to me was one of the most interesting of the entire weekend, entering the weekend. 
Um, I want to know if the Vikings were a legitimate contender. Uh, I believe uh, the Vikings stadium is one of the best home field advantages uh, across the entire NFL. And could that defense give problems to Daniel Jones? And more importantly, could Daniel Jones and that ragtag group of receivers continue to do what we've seen over the last month, which was really putting him, Daniel Jones, to the top seven or eight in terms of fantasy quarterbacks? And overwhelmingly, I mean, I think the, the jury's now out, both the Vikings defense is not very good, and the Giants are legitimate. And it was it was convincing enough to me to think, man, I could really see the Giants being competitive against the Eagles. And we saw their two divisional matchups now. Uh, I, I think both teams know what to expect from the other. The Eagles have a lot of questions to answer uh, about their performance this season. And frankly, they played a lot of cupcake teams to get to that point where they were the number one overall seed uh, in the NFC. I, maybe it's just me as a Packers fan, having watched my team over many years, uh, loses the number one seed. But I don't think it's a guarantee that the Eagles win outright against the Giants. And I certainly believe New York could cover the spread for this game as well, too. So I'm, I'm really, I was interested in how that unfolded um, this past weekend. Really, is a transition to what we'll be able to see this weekend, too. And, and Joe, you, you brought up there that Chargers and Jags game first. And uh, I know we, we should be talking about the Jaguars, the team that moved on. But literally in the studio just moments before, uh, we had you on. We were talking about Brandon Staley. We were talking about this coaching carousel, which is not really spun the way we thought it would be. I think only four uh, openings uh, by our account where there could have been at least three or four other guys, including Brandon Staley, who's being retained again for a second year. Uh, can, is, there a, is there a good defense for him returning for a third year as a head coach, or was this should, should this have been a no-brainer firing by the Chargers? The only defense would have been – um, well, the only, the only defense to keep Brandon Staley is if they didn't feel like they could get Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, who I think uh, it is is going to be the next hot coordinator, whether it be Sean McVay or of that ilk. I think Ben Johnson is, is that guy. Uh, and the fact that he chose to stay in Detroit is telling, because I'd imagine the Chargers would consider him. Or if, if the uh, price that the Saints had on Sean Payton was too high for the Chargers. And you look at like that. That part is compelling to me too. We haven't seen many co- uh, coaches go for the draft capital that they used to in the '90s, and that's the example of everyone points to. Well, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson went for this, and we saw uh, Tony Dungy go for this. And it's like that was 25 years ago. Coaching is theoretically not that valuable. But over the past couple of years, we've seen that kind of change course. I think Sean McDermott for the Bills has done a fantastic job changing the culture. Um, we, we've seen Sean McVay do wondrous things for the Rams as well, too. And you could name probably four or five different examples where head coaching is literally the difference between a team that's competitive and a team that wins the Super Bowl. I think Sean, Mc, uh, sorry, I think Sean Payton is that kind of coach. And if the Saints wanted to charge two first-round picks, especially because they're missing Chris Olave, uh, or they're missing the first-round pick because of Chris Olave, I would get it. That's just a awfully high price to pay in this market from the coaching perspective. The Chargers were one of the only teams I thought would be willing to send a first-round pick, likely a later one, uh, in the instance where they would be firing Brandon Staley. And, and that they didn't, I think, is more telling that the Chargers didn't feel comfortable with that asking price. Like if, if they seriously considered Sean Payton um, and believed they could get him, Brandon Staley would be gone, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if we had this conversation again next year. I'm not convinced Brandon Staley um, is a good head coach in the NFL. He certainly might be a good defensive coordinator, but maybe not a head coach. Uh, and I thought, I what, what, Saturday, last Saturday's game was kind of a one of the biggest red flags in a coaching resume that you could have. 
Yeah, very fair. I mean, you, you blow that kind of lead. And a uh, question to be asked of, of a lot of different people, and it starts with the head man. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Joe, when I looked at uh, these results from Cincinnati and Buffalo last week, because there's been this big three, and I know I asked you last week about some underdogs and the potential. If you had to pick a conference, uh, where could an underdog maybe make a run there? Seeing Cincinnati and Buffalo – uh, kind of struggle. I mean, these were two of the bigger lines of the weekend going in. Struggle against teams without their starting quarterbacks. You know, maybe this isn't necessarily relevant to Jacksonville because they've got to play Kansas City, but did it make you feel maybe more confident in Kansas City just because Buffalo and, and Cincinnati had real chances to lose those games there late and uh, were not overly impressive? No, I, I guess to answer your question, no, it doesn't change my thought process on either of those teams. And I'll throw in San Francisco to the mix, too. They were the other um, high, high expected win total for last week. And for uh, a half, certainly, the Seahawks were competitive. And I know the 49ers kind of blew things away a little bit later, but I would have anticipated that happens from day one. And the sorry, minute one, and the Winters needed to have a twisted ankle on Debo Samuel. Uh, for the team to be ignited in that regard. So I would throw the Fortnite into that mix, too. The interesting part about last week's schedule was these obvious um, to be broad games, right? The Bengals, Bills, and Fortnite were all against divisional opponents. And you wouldn't think that matters, but these teams know each other so well. And they play each other twice all season. There's, there's, more, on the, there's, there's more on the line with these six and seven teams, like, uh, like the Ravens and Bengals, I'm sorry, the Ravens and uh, Dolphins and Seahawks. That I, I think it really is kind of like you're playing with house money. Well, everyone expects problems anyway. You know, like of course we're going to go ahead, and, uh, do the best we can, and throw the kitchen sink out there. And you can be competitive when you are in that mindset. You can't make a run. I don't. I don't like uh, we had talked about last week. I don't think any one of those teams were ones I expected could win multiple playoff games. But any single team, especially in those circumstances, um, certainly can. I thought. I thought the Bills played down to their opponent, whereas the Bengals just struggled. It wasn't; it was the Ravens' game plan, but I think the Bengals overall struggling. Josh Allen made some questionable throws from the Bills and, and kept the Dolphins around. That game isn't nearly as competitive as the Bills play to their upper echelon, and I don't know if we could say the same for the Bengals. That will be a fantastic game. I cannot wait. It is must-see TV, and frankly, um, you know, their first rendition was already going to be one of the most highly anticipated games of the season. This one between the Bengals and Bills will certainly be this go around, and I'm I'm truly convinced now at this point that one of those two teams is going to beat KC uh, in the AFC Championship game. I think I think this divisional round matchup between the Bills and Bengals is playing not just for a berth to the Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl winner. Uh, and maybe that's a little bit too far to say with a month left to go in the NFL season, but I'm I'm pretty convinced that it's going to be the case. Uh, looking over on the NFC side of things, uh, obviously the uh, the 49ers right now are uh, one of the favorites to move on to the Super Bowl, but I mainly want to talk about Brock Purdy here. Uh, in your opinion, just from what you've seen, are, are we is this a flash in the pan, or are we potentially watching the emergence and the beginning of a Hall of Fame career and an unlikely Hall of Fame career like we have seen with so many other quarterbacks in the NFL that – low draft picks that nobody's ever even thought of, and then all of a sudden magic happens. What's your thoughts on Brock Purdy? Yeah, so well, I'll pose the question to you. Besides Tom Brady, how many low-round magical picks have turned into Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the last 25 years? Right. 
You know, I just, I mean, yeah. I can name Bart Starr, and we can go to, like, uh, Roger Stolbach, right? Like, oh, they're the 18th round selection. We, we don't do 18 round picks anymore. Like, that's not, it, it really is a, a minor miracle, I think, for a lot of these uh, late round QBs to be that relevant. And it takes a certain mindset, right? That's the Tom Brady part of this factor to get to that point. It also takes a certain coach. And I think we can say Bill Belichick safely qualifies in that regard to get a quarterback to that spot. I would say yes. I mean, this is this is not this is more than might be flash in the pan. Um, and I'm I'm as somebody that was more positive on on Brock Purdy entering this year than certainly a lot of people. I I did not anticipate this kind of run. But when you have Kyle Shanahan as your offensive coach and you have the guys that you're playing with that he does, yes, 100 percent this type of run could happen. And I feel pretty convinced they will win this this game. Um, against the Giants, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, against Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys. Yeah, and I feel real, relatively good that if the Giants do beat the Eagles, that's where I was going. Um, that would be a cakewalk, but certainly against the Eagles, too. Like the, the Niners will make the Super Bowl. I was not convinced at all that there was going to be rookie awards because Kyle Shanahan won't let that happen. I mean, you don't ever have to expose Brock Purdy when you have the Niners defense the way they do and the weapons they have. I mean, you're not asking him to be Aaron Rodgers. You're asking him to be a game manager like Jimmy Garoppolo was, and, and that's so to me, it's not a um, it's not a surprise to see Purdy be successful. I know he got a whole bunch of yardage, and of course, all that came off of uh, super long runs, which 49er fans just simply seem to forget for some reason. Uh, no, I'm I'm pretty certain Brock Purdy is not that guy. He's not him, as the hip kids like to say. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like I, I he might be him this year, Purdy. though. Yes, yeah, and, and so I don't say I don't think Purdy is him. I think it's Kyle Shanahan right. is him. If, if they're Sticking to those um, different comments that people make, so I'm I'm far more impressed with Kyle Shanahan's done, and not so much Brock Purdy. Although it takes somebody to execute that game plan, certainly, and I think some credit goes to Purdy in that regard. And uh, let's let's shift over to the kind of well shift kind of back to opening coaching positions um, and kind of talk about the Texans here. Uh, they have the number two overall pick. Um, they have they fired Lovey Smith after just one year. Uh, I kind of I guess I kind of want to get your take and how you feel uh, about that situation and why they let him go when the roster was never going to be any good anyway, um, and the team. Is just has a lot of building to go through, and I guess they didn't see Lovey Smith as as the person that could really build, rebuild that roster. Yeah, I, I think it's um, probably uh, even more nefarious than that. And I, I don't know, maybe if you just think of this as a business, it's, it's what it is. And that's all has a rule in place right now. If you hire a minority coach, you get. I think it's at least one third round pick. I'm not sure if it's just GM and personnel that gets the two, right. like the 49ers do, um, or if it's the coach, but it's two consecutive years now. A minority coach has been hired by them and fired within one year. If you are the Texans and you know your roster is one of the bottom third in the league and you are uh, doing what you can to not be competitive, there are ways to gain additional assets doing nefarious tactics. And yeah. I think that would be kind of what it qualifies. So um, it's, it's in the rules of the game and it's what the NFL wanted, but I don't think it's what the NFL actually won. I don't think they anticipated a team stooping as low as the Texans have stooped to to do this kind of thing. But that's, I mean, it's it's as um, brazenly obvious of, I think, working or gaming the system as you can get in a professional sport. And not many people are talking about it, I think, just because Lovey Smith had, you know, 15 years in between his past decade with the uh, his past tenure with the Bears and right. didn't end all that well with that too so it's like yeah Lucky Smith's not a good coach 
Probably not, but why did they hire him in the first place? Well, it's to get that third-round pick. So I I don't know how I really feel about that. It makes me uncomfortable, I think, if nothing else. I agree. Uh, but I would not have guessed Lovey Smith was going to be the guy that leads your franchise into the future anyhow. So, fine. I, I would be willing to bet they won't do this a third time. Um, if they do, boy, that, that's going to draw some, some eyes that I don't think they want drawn to them at this point. So I anticipate that they won't. But also... If you're treating coaches the way you are, when you do want to get a Ben Johnson or you do want to get a, a top-end younger coach, why would they ever consider Houston? Look what they've done the previous two coaches. Their right. uh, you know, front office has been inconsistent with Jack uh, Easterby. I think now just, just this past season got released. But um, they have been not very good with their personnel for a long time. It's a hard sell. Uh, so, again, if you're kind of like, oh, let's get Acetel if we can, uh, we're not getting top-end coaches anyhow. I don't know how you change that if you continue to go down this model. And really, even what they did with Lovey Smith this year, I thought was kind of like the, oh, you're going to be out any opportunities with good coaches down the road. You'll have to take a chance on the Josh McCowns or, I guess we're getting this Jeff Saturdays of the world, and hope those guys turn into um, elite-end coaches. But it really does feel like it's a difficult spot to be. And I think the roster is still pretty barren, um, both offensively and defensively. Talking to Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire, last one for you, Joe. Uh, we, we've kind of hinted on some thoughts that you've had about uh, the Giants-Eagles game, Cowboys-49ers a little bit. Uh, but what about this Bengals and Bills game? Because these, these are two teams that a lot of people love. Bengals have been red hot for weeks. Uh, Bills have been a pick by many to go and win the Super Bowl. So how do you see this one playing out? Hopefully entertaining. I mean, that's I, I just I'm, I'm so thoroughly excited for this game as I was a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and there'll be a lot more online, certainly for both teams, but I think emotionally for the team as well, and too, frankly for America. That, that was a pretty compelling story, and we'll have to see um, what what level that adds to it. Uh, I I want both quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, to be as successful as possible. I want the, the defenses to throw some wrinkles in and get some blitzes or whatever and, and make things uncomfortable. What I really don't want to see happen is like we have last year's round, or divisional round game between the Bengals and Titans where the Titans defensive line just uh, continued to bother and harass Joe Burrow and made him look uh, not extraordinary, and, and that game just got ugly. I don't think the Bills' offense can really win an ugly game anyhow, so if you were to say, oh, yeah, the, the defensive line for the Bills is going to make things problematic for the, the Bengals, I don't think the Bills can just run up the clock and milk it like the way the Titans did last year. So by default, they should keep things. I want it to be competitive. I think it will be competitive. I'm leaning towards the Bills. I think the home field advantage, uh, home field advantage matters somewhat. Um, I also think Josh Allen had the worst game he'll have in quite a while last week against the Dolphins. And uh, I, I lean. I just think there's something special with this Bills team. And I'm, I'm like I told you, I, I really believe this game right here uh, is not just a trip to the Super Bowl, but will be your Super Bowl winner between the Bengals and Bills. So I'm, I'm pretty convinced in that facet. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire. Joe, the time is always greatly appreciated. What can we come to expect here in the coming days and weeks over at RotoWire? Yeah, uh, plenty going on at RotoWire. We got a lot of NBA basketball content going up on the site. A lot of your wave aware pickups. The daily lineup section continues to be updated uh, by the minute when it comes to injury news and analysis, which is a huge thing. One of our most trafficked sites, every trafficked trafficked pages, um, the entire year too. But uh, a lot of content from that regard. I'm really gearing up for baseball as well, too. I think I read 200 projections and outlooks have already written for top MLB players, and another 200 more will come by the end of the month, too. So we're really 
gearing up for that process. It's never too early to start for 2023, 20, 24 NFL season, too. Uh, if there's, if you're in best ball leagues, you're familiar with that concept. We actually have uh, some projections of baseline coverage for that, too. Even with the season not ending this year yet, we're already getting you set for best balls next year. Uh, maybe that's some weird stuff. You, you might have some problems if you're looking into best ball next year, but I am one of those people. So I, I guess I'll have to talk to myself a bit more about that. <laughs> Joe, love it. Uh, as always, we appreciate you being on the show today, and we look forward to talking again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, everyone, guys. That is Joe Bartle of RotoWire. Love talking to him each and every Wednesday. And let RotoWire meet all of your fantasy needs. As Joe talked about, basketball season, a heavy, heavy swing. We'll have to talk more about basketball in the future. Kind of ran out of time today, uh, but uh, could have definitely asked him about that big Walker Kessler game the other night. So we'll make sure next time Joe is on, we'll, we'll hit basketball hard. Got to take our last commercial break of the show. Last few minutes of Sports Call coming up after this. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back. Final few minutes here of this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here. Enjoyed our chat with Joe Bartle of RotoWire. We've been able to have him on throughout the NFL season. We'll continue to have him on here as we uh, continue through basketball season. And again, he does baseball too. He does it all over at RotoWire. So go check uh, those great folks out. Help them with your fancy needs, fancy football, fancy basketball, fancy baseball, whatever it might be. All right, last segment of the show. we got TV Guide coming up in a few minutes, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. But before we do that, we got to give our final thoughts on this Auburn and LSU game tonight. Uh, as Auburn goes in to Baton Rouge, they are favored to win this game, uh, despite it being a road game. Auburn favored by uh, now five, if you look at the updated total on the SEC at, or on the uh, – uh, ESPN app, it was four and a half as we talked earlier in the show. The other two games tonight, just FYI, uh, Florida goes to Texas A&M. Uh, A&M favored by three and a half, but two teams playing pretty good within the SEC. And then number 25, Arkansas searching for an SEC victory. They're now one and four in the league. They go to Missouri. Missouri's lost a couple as of late as well. So that one's going to be a very interesting one. 13 and four Missouri, 12 and five Arkansas. Missouri is favored by two points but again auburn and lsu auburn ranked 16th in the country i believe guys correct me if i'm wrong if they are ranked next week in next week's poll so basically as long as they split this week they're going to be ranked next week and they're going to tie the record uh their own record um for most consecutive Um, weeks ranked they'll surpass or they'll they'll they'll, they'll surpass this week is 30 Uh, so 30 i thought 31 was the record i thought they needed Mm -hmm. to tie at 31 30 was the record ah we are conflicting reports know. conflicting we're a basketball school either way uh <laughs> auburn would, would be at 31 if they're ranked next week uh, and they're either going to surpass the record with next week or uh, tie. tie it yeah but uh so basically they win tonight they they lock that up 
They're favored by five. Again, uh, just for those that are just tuning in, we talked a lot about the 3 o'clock hour, but guys, what does Auburn need to do uh, to win this basketball game in Baton Rouge tonight? Well, the biggest thing is what they don't need to do, and that's turn the ball over 20 times. Um, right. I am going to beat that dead horse until that just, until it's deader. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I mentioned it's the deadest. I, it, yeah. I mentioned the season stats and the fact that Auburn prides itself on transition buckets, forcing a lot of turnovers, just hound you to death on the defensive side of the ball, force a lot of turnovers, and get points off those turnovers. That's great. They do that a lot. They're very good at that. However, when you look at the turnover stats. They turn the ball over almost as much as they get turnovers, and you can't do that. You you just can't. I mean, it, it null and voids what you're doing if you're just giving the ball right back to them. And, again, I'm going to say this. If it's hustle turnovers, if it's a drive to the basket and it's just one of those 50-50 kind of calls and they call a charge on you, I don't like a lot of those, but at least you're, you're hustling. It's a hustle turnover. It's, you know, that's different. Then, yeah. then you can't figure out a play to get the ball inbounded. You just carelessly make passes to wide-open opponents, <laughs> or you just sling the ball out of bounds because the guy's not over there that you think is. Those are the careless mistakes that you can't have, and Auburn's having way too many of those. So to me, it's more what they can't do. They've got the players. Jani Broom, I think, can have a big night and be fine on the inside. I hope Jalen can have another big night from behind the arc. If you can get the three and the inside going, then awesome. But you can't turn it over 20 times. You will lose a lot of games if you're turning the ball over 20 times. Yeah, agreed. Uh, definitely can't be turning the ball over. I think I think one thing that Auburn struggled with in the second half of the Mississippi State game was they failed to adjust to the refereeing. I think they got stuck in – I mean, the referees – they shouldn't dictate the game, but ultimately they do, right? And Auburn, you know, just they didn't they didn't adjust whatsoever. They they struggled to um, really kind of figure out how they were calling the game. The ref the refs whistles got a lot a lot tighter, um, and Auburn. That's why kind of Mississippi State got got into a, a kind of free throw shooting situation early in the game uh, in the second half because they failed to adjust and got into foul trouble really quickly. That's what caused Jalen to foul out and um, different things like that. So I think they just need to be able to be aware of how the referees are calling to get, calling the game, know that that can change at any point in time, and you have to be able to adjust to how the game is being called. Um, and can't jack up threes, can't turn the ball over a whole bunch. Just got to be smart overall. And I think we have the players and the ability to do that, and we also have the coach to do that. It is important to adjust how it's being called. I also prefer the refs not to adjust no, how they're calling the game <laughs> when it they call is, yes. zero or not fouls, but zero free throws in the first half and yeah. 41 in the second half. That's strat. I mean, like, I That's know a, one of my New Year's resolutions was not to complain about this, <laughs> but, but zero to 41 is yes. real quick. Yeah. Well, the it's thing is, that, that, that's one thing that has frustrated me with the, the officiating in these SEC games, really from the beginning. And, and it feels like it's not just Auburn games, even though that's obviously who I watch the most of. But, it, it, yeah, the referees, it seems like they can't be consistent with what they're doing. They'll have a first half where they are varied. They allow contact. They allow physical play. And that's kind of what you're running with. And then the second half starts, and that play keeps going, and now all of a sudden they're blowing whistles on stuff that was never a foul in the first half. Exact yeah. same stuff, exact same contact, exact 
same scenarios you didn't call in the first half, and suddenly now you're blowing the whistle every time the ball comes up the court. It was a complete and 180. Yeah, and so the officiating has to quit doing that, and they've they have got to get more consistent on what they're doing from half to half because it it feels like that has just become a very commonplace thing to just completely change the way you're calling the game from half to half. That's no, it's stupid. You going Auburn and LSU tonight? What? Tom I'm going to go with I, I'm going to go with Auburn because I went with Ole Miss last time and I yeah. was wrong. Yeah, I I I mean I think Auburn. Can, I I'm going to go with Auburn because I I have the confidence they're kind of putting some things together. Uh, I'm I'm nervous about the turnovers though, and that's why I keep beating that horse just because that that makes me so nervous. Well. I will say every time Auburn, I turn the game on, the yeah. balls flying out of bounds, balls flying. Out, <laughs> turn it on the radio, Andy Burch, up, turnover up, turnover up, oh, and cough it up. Well, coughed it up again. I'm like Jesus, hang on to the ball. So, so I will say, Auburn had 20 turnovers, right? Correct in the game yeah, against 20 Mississippi against State. Mississippi. Alan Flanagan uh, accounted seven. accounted yeah. for a third of those. I think he had it was seven. Seven. He had yeah. seven. So really, just over a third. So, I don't think we'll have a game like that for him because that, I mean, in the three games before that, he had only had like two turnovers. Right. You know? So, I, he stepped out of bounds a couple times. He lost the ball a couple times just driving to the paint. Um, so, I I don't expect that to happen as anymore. I not say anymore, but as much. I I will say that he might turn the ball. It was over. the worst version of him yeah, possessing yeah. the ball. Yes. Seven's Just, not happening. Yeah, very seven's often. not happening very often. So that will that number will hopefully drop a lot. Um I I I am gonna go Auburn. Um four and a half spread uh, now I, up to five I, uh, yeah up to five yeah. so i'll i'll go auburn by like nine i i think oh, wow. auburn by nine is is a is is solid um i think, uh, I mean, think I, they'll that's a solid game i i'm thinking auburn by like more like four or five i think it's gonna be one of those it's like a nail biter I think it'll be close at halftime, and then Auburn will come out in the second half and pull away, and I think it'll get to. I I think it's going to be one of those that Auburn wins down the stretch with some free throws. They may stretch it to nine, but I think it's going to be one of those they're going to have to hit some free throws down the stretch because I just don't don't see Auburn blowing anybody out except for South Carolina. Yeah, but, I mean, nine's not necessarily a blowout. No, but – Nine's a three-possession game. You're right, yeah. There's different paths to nine. Nine could be four with a minute and a half left. You hit free throws to end it. Nine could be 15 with a minute and a half left. Right. And the team hit a couple uh, non-consequential threes. And I'm I'm thinking nine – in the sense of Auburn's riding a double-digit lead, and they hit like a couple yeah. of more like the Arkansas game where they were up right. double digits the whole game. Uh, up and, double digits, and they hit a couple of you know stupid baskets at the end right. that just don't really account for anything because Auburn's got their bench players in. It's like yeah. you know, we cut it to nine. But it's going to be interesting to see if this team does have a close road game. There are a couple of road victories as of late. Ole Miss eighty-two to seventy-three. They were in control of that one for most of the second half they were down early but they really scored a lot and they had double digit leads in the second half and then that washington game was the road win prior to that and they blew washington out of the water in the second half so it's going to be very interesting to see if they can win a very close game late on the road i do think auburn wins but i do think it's close i don't i'm going to say they're going to buck that trend and win a close one on the road uh, but definitely one to watch 
tonight. All right, just a few seconds left in the show, so it's time for the Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, we want you to watch Auburn, 6 o'clock on ESPN2 against LSU. Of course, you can listen to it. Just turn the dial down a little bit to 93.9. That's Auburn LSU tip-off in about 10 minutes or so. Virginia and Virginia Tech, a fun one in the ACC, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Virginia ranked 10th in the country. Uh, some NBA, the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks on ESPN in Dallas at 645. 6.30, the NHL on TNT. The New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins. And... One movie pick for you, a classic one on Turner Classic Movies at 7 o'clock, The Blues Brothers. And that is your nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show today. We talked anything and everything today. Yeah, it is. Fun show today. Tom, thank you for being here. Steak and taters tonight? Steak and taters tonight, absolutely. Steak, taters, corn on cob, asparagus. All right, dinner at Tom's. And then, uh, Cam, thank you for being here. We'll see you again on Friday. Yeah, man. And uh, we thank Joe Bartle of RotoWire for joining the program today as well. We thank all those who tuned in and called in. For Tom Peavy and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan Voigt. Enjoy Auburn basketball tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>